Dear Dimwitty, are you out there? Can you hear us? We hope you're doing okay. You've missed so much, Dimwitty. We need to catch you up on everything that's happened in DuckTales. We're here to recap and discuss each episode of DuckTales 2017 for the benefit of our close personal friend, Dimwitty Duck, who was last seen on October 12th, 2011 in the comic Dangerous Currency. If you're out there, Dimwitty, we're coming for you. Just hold on. Hello and welcome to Dear Dimity, a DuckTales recap podcast. I'm Monty. And I am Marty. We're back again. We're back again. Um, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't a fluke. We promise we're actually back. But no, we are back. We're recording again. Um, I'm back at home. I've left my parents' house finally. Um, You're sitting in, in the closet my... again? I'm sitting on the floor of my closet, <laughs> which... Um, <laughs> I feel like I've talked about this before, but um, if I'm recording in the evening, uh, by which I mean, like, it's 11pm for me right now, um, if I'm recording in the evening, then I can't just, like, sit, like, you know, in my bedroom or in my study and talk at a normal volume because, like, I share a wall with one of my housemates uh, who has, like, a job and gets up early in the morning, so I can't be, like, talking about ducks at full volume for three hours and ending at, like, 2am or whatever, so I have to... Um, put myself behind as many doors as possible, which involves sitting on the floor of my closet in my room with the door closed. Um, so it's very nice and cozy in here. Um, I absolutely love vibe. just picturing you sitting on the floor <laughs> of the closet. What a it's psychopathic a thing to do. <laughs> this is my studio. <laughs> um, yeah, like... If this was like a scene in a TV show, it would be used to show your mental decline. <laughs> when I'm recording, I'll take a picture of my closet and send it to you. You can see you. You'll, I'll show you my miserable, deflated pillow that I lean against. <laughs> um. I mean, like you're hiding in the cupboard to record a podcast. <laughs> That's just my life. <laughs> Fucking bizarre. The trials and tribulations I have to endure living in a house with people who have normal sleep schedules. Yeah. I mean, I do the same thing. I just inflicted on whoever happens to be in the house with me at the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, that's that's how I'm doing personally right now. I'm that's our news. Our <laughs> news is... Um, that's our news. <laughs> Marty is not a well individual. <laughs> <laughs> this is not okay, okay. I have. I don't know if you. I don't know if you're only just realizing this, but I have a Ducktales podcast. I feel like that's a far more. Um, far the more symptoms were there red flag than anything else. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's how it's going for me. Um, again, we are in the midst of the hiatus. There is nothing happening. Um, the news section at the start of this podcast is fairly redundant <laughs> at a time has, like this. And has been, I think, for quite a while. <laughs> More often than not, we have not had any news. Uh, it's, 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 you know, a, a mixed blessing. It means that there is more time for us to talk about uh, the actual episode and also whatever we decide to inflict upon you in the course of that. 
Um, and it also means that there's no, like, um, it, I feel like also, like, no news is kind of good news a lot of the time. Like, if there was a lot of things, if there was a lot of stories yeah. constantly breaking that were maybe a little bit concerning for, you know, the state of DuckTales as, as like, a show, as a property. So um, I'm happy with the way things are, how quiet they are. I would like to hear, you know, soon, or, like, you know, sooner rather than later when we're going to get uh, the final five or six or whatever episodes of season three. But, you know, it's still early 2021. I'm not, like particularly concerned about that i figure it's going to be within the next couple of months so yeah i think that's like there's like two main pieces of news that we're really waiting on and that's the return of the the last few episodes of ducktales and um confirmation on the darkwing duck seth rogan reboot yes uh, um uh, schrodinger's rogan that um, that that grim specter that hangs over us all <laughs> yes so, um, yeah, it, it, that is one of those things where no news maybe is not good news because you would think you would have people coming out and saying, well, no, that's not true. But, I mean, the longer the silence goes on, the more worried that I get about it. So, yeah. oh, well, I figure we'll find out at some point. Like, eventually there will be confirmation one way or the other. Um, nothing we can really do about it. Yeah. <laughs> We're just going to kind of have to wait. I mean, we can always just do the time on a tradition of not watching it. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is our, 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 our power as consumers is we can simply not consume. Yeah, it is our prerogative that uh, <laughs> what, something that a, so, a certain genre fan does not seem to have, uh, not seem to have realized is that uh, we can just kind of not watch things that we don't think will be good. Um, <laughs> Or that we'll enjoy. <laughs> and if we do find uh, ourselves not enjoying them, we can stop watching them and thinking exactly. about them and talking about them. Exactly. And you don't have to go on um, extended rants about how Della Duck is a psychopath. You don't have to do that. <laughs> not, vague, not vaguing any particular forum here. Just, you know. Oh, oh never. Just some general tips for <laughs> general tips for how to conduct yourself in life. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, should we get into our episode, given that um, yeah, we, probably should. we really have nothing else to do? Yeah, let's get into it. This week's episode was from the confidential case files of Agent 22, um, and it opens on Ottoman Empire, the best TV show. Yeah! I love this TV show. I live, um, I, this is it, like, instantly breaking away from the synopsis to start talking about something unrelated. But um, it is mildly related because obviously Ottoman Empire is like takes cues from um the the Property Brothers and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, I have I have not seen the Property Brothers 
like in any form until uh, a few days ago when I just happened to be like they like my parents were watching I don't know what the name of the show was or if it was just like the property brothers or if they have multiple shows but um the general like atmosphere of the show where they kind of like each got a house and we're trying to do it up better than the other was insane to me and it made me realize that like ottoman empire like i've watched a lot of like you know like reality like home improvement shows and stuff like that but i hadn't realized that like when ottoman empire is parodying the property brothers they're just doing it like it's not an exaggeration they're just like this all the time i just thought that was really charming (laughs) I have having I, I'm gonna have to defer to you on this having never watched the Property Brothers. Um truly incredible. It's just like I just love I just love that they've parodied specifically my angle of it is that they've they're they're parrying such a highly specific niche trade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love shows like that. It's awesome. My yeah, it's like it's like the the you know the hyper specific like um HGTV shows and like the, everything that's on like Discovery Channel yeah. and all that like the more specific of a job or of like a, a, a like a field of interest that it gets, the more fascinating it is. Yeah, um, and the more intense it becomes. Exactly, because <laughs> the people who are in these shows, it's their whole fucking lives. Exactly, like, they're fucking in, entrenched in it. So you get really entrenched in it and you end up getting to the point where you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck are you doing? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I love the like, um, uh, you know, like the the storage wars and the porn stars and all stuff like that. But then, like, I love the ones that get really specific about it. Like, there's a couple that are like specifically people buying like bulk lots of just like like various goods off like eBay and stuff like that. And so it's like. It's like it's like a it's like an unboxing show. It really mm-hmm. is. It's like it's like YouTube unboxing videos, but on Discovery Channel. Um, Can I specify for um yes. for people who don't share uh, your specific accent <laughs> that you did say pawn stars and not porn <laughs> stars, which is exactly how you pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> I, um, I do forget sometimes that um, I say porn and porn literally identically. Exactly the same. It's the same word. <laughs> the um the 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 comedy of the 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 title of the show porn stars is amplified a hundredfold in America. In sorry, in Australia rather, because we have the accent that makes us say them literally exactly the same. There is no <laughs> there is no porn. Um, it's just porn. All of it is just porn. Um, so it's very funny to hear like my dad talking about porn stars. I have to say, <laughs> <laughs> oh, David, <laughs> getting raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we open on All of an Empire, um, apparently since Dime Chase, which I think was the last time that we saw All of an Empire. Yeah, I think so. Um, which is very back at the start of the season. Um, last time we saw Johnny and Randy. Um, mm-hmm. Louis seems to have uh, gotten his brothers into it too. Um, yes. So they're all settling down to to watch a twenty four hour um, uh, Ottoman Empire marathon, and they've got like bowls of crisps everywhere. And Beakley's kind of puttering around, um, cleaning up after them, giving out to them a bit um, for being messy. Um, when she goes to the kitchen, she's attacked by a mysterious hooded figure. 
Ooh. It's, um, I like this. I really like this, this fight scene here. It's really like, it's very interesting. The, the, like the lack of background music for the yeah. kind of the first half of this fight is really interesting because it makes it feel like a lot less cartoonish than like any yeah. other fight scene so far in DuckTales. It, re- it really jumped out to me. I um, noted that too. Um, because so Heron's like first design, I'd like to say, first off, is just really fucking cool. The way that she is presented here with the the as like the cloaked figure and she's like cast entirely in silhouette and she's just these like very dramatic shapes in like block colors. It's very classic comic book. Um mm. and like she's just like this classic classic comic book silhouette, like she's got no humanizing features. You know, her beak is just like a cone. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no uh, mouth or no facial expression. Her eyes are just, her eyes are just shapes. Um, and it's a really great way to just like set the tone of episode, set the tone of the episode and set the tone of like who Black Heron is as a villain. That she's yeah. like this cartoonish comic book villain as opposed to some of the more real life allegories that serve as villains. Um, yeah. So, but then that very lack of music kind of almost contradicts that comic book design because you would expect that it would be like the big music and the punchy sound effects and you yeah. know, the kind of uh, over the kind of exaggerated action. And instead like the choreography and the sound design of the fight is so grounded and makes it so real. Yeah. It's really like it's 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 such an interesting kind of uh, tonal dissonance where um you know there's been like fight scenes and whatnot in in Ducktales before now but and and even even when Ducktales kind of has like its dramatic moments it's dramatic being backed up by like you know music and the soundtrack and the sound effects but this is just like it's it's so it's really cool I really love this fight scene I really love um when like it, it like the 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 way that it kind of makes it feel more realistic and more serious i guess um yeah it's really cool i love it so much it's really cool um there's like because there's no music but also the rest of the sound design is like there's just like these kind of understated grunts and thunks mm. and crashes yeah like, it's, it's it's not like it's not like hanna barbera sound effects and like you know the really like cartoonish punch sound effects or anything it's uh, quite realistic, yeah. Um, and it makes this scene like seem kind of real, and it like ob- obviously draws attention to the fact that neither of them are saying anything to each other. It's just like yeah. this very silent fight. Um, but the con- like the choreography of the fight as well is like lends to that sense of like reality, in that mm-hmm. Beakley's actions come across as like being very. Like it kind of adds a sense of weight and th- and thought to them, in that like you get this impression that she is like this very resourceful and skilled fighter, but that she's struggling and that she's actually thinking about what she does mm-hmm. before she does it. So like, rather than a lot of times in these more cartoonish fights, they just kind of fucking go for it, and you don't really pay attention to. Well, how did you get the idea to throw a plate at whoever, you know? And instead you can kind of see that process kind of happening in the choreography, the way that it's paced out and the way that 
they're kind of utilizing the environment uh, to fight. Yeah. And you get this very real kind of impression that this isn't because of, like the lack of music, it's not like a cool scene for Beakley. She's impressive in it, but it's not like her, a victory scene for her. Yeah. And she's caught off guard and she's kind of struggling within the scene. It's really good. It's really well choreographed. I love this um uh all of the kind of <clears throat> all of the kind of fight scenes in this episode are really well choreographed. Um and uh this is something we say about DuckTales in general, but the animation is really really great this episode specifically, I think. Mm-hmm. Um and, and like yeah, like like you said it just feels like very real and very kind of logical combat almost like there's Mm -hmm. no we like i of course i love um you know like donald fighting when he kind of goes into a rage hurricane and like whirls around Mm -hmm. people and grabs them by the eyelids and whatnot but um this feels a lot more like you can tell that like beakley has done this before and you know these are her skills in action and this is like it's it, it's just like the realism is really interesting, um, mm-hmm. and it work, works really well. Like it doesn't feel out of place. It definitely is kind of a, a tonal break, but not one that is like uh, disconcerting. It yeah. it's really engaging. Yeah, um, and Beakley's character is always a very fun one to think about because she's, you know, this is what like one of the kind of few scenes in like this stage in the series which is like kind of just her mm-hmm. um and she's got these kind of character traits that don't really lend themselves very well to uh to character analysis because she's very composed and she's very secretive um and she's so rarely acting in her own interests she's either you know working on behalf of scrooge or she's protecting webby she is never really um being selfish or following like her own motivations so we don't really get much of an insight into what makes her tick yeah um but what i noticed is that the silence of the scene kind of calls to attention how she doesn't like cry out or call for help she doesn't like she doesn't call for help she doesn't say oh my god there's someone there's like Someone fucking broke into the <laughs> broke into the mansion. She doesn't yell yeah. for the kids to like get away or get here. She doesn't yell out for Scrooge. Um and you can kind of interpret that how you will. Um you could see it as like a matter of like pride that she doesn't call for help because she thinks that she can handle it. But I would lean more towards the explanation that she doesn't accidentally want she doesn't want to um call the attention of the kids who are in the next room um, and yeah. potentially put them in danger by, like, exposing them to Heron. Yes. It's interesting. It is interesting. There we go. There's our first interesting <laughs> of the episode, I think. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, but, um, I do, I, I also do just kind of, like, um, uh, like, combat scenes that are use props from the environment so the fighting with kitchen utensils is uh very fun and like um uh what is it a big does beakley's beakley using like a garlic press i can't remember i think um, it is like a garlic press can you really can you awesome she's, i can indeed hear that is it a fire right. alarm is your house on fire well it's not anymore <laughs> <laughs> are you good 
Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, yeah, probably. It's like... <laughs> probably. <laughs> I don't think that... I don't... Okay, I don't think that if the fire... If, if the house is on fire, that someone would go out of their way to turn off the fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough, so based fair on enough. that, I'm not going to investigate. <laughs> okay. Well, when you start smelling smoke, don't say I didn't warn you. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah. So we've got uh, Beakley fighting with with a garlic press, and Heron has a the you know the classic like frying pan. Um, but it's great. I just love like um, like combat and like fight scenes informed by the environment, and when it's not just, you know, two people just having a random punch-up that could be anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. It really feels a lot more immersive. Yeah. Uh, there's, like, a great little bit where um, there's, like, the use of dish soap as a blinding agent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of uh, stuff. It's really good. Um, but the music does finally kick in once Bikia has kind of gotten her bearings. She gets a leg up yeah. on her and uh, she kind of manages to push her away. Um, and knock her into the table. But then Louise kind of blithely wanders in <laughs> for another drink from the fridge. Wanders in and complains about how they're low on pep, which is <laughs> such a, like an ingrate. Um, <laughs> and we've seen Beakley be kind of uh, frustrated thus far. You know, she's obviously not very overblown in her kind of displays of emotion, but she's, um, it seems to be kind of frustrated by picking up after the kids and she's kind of having a bit of a moment in the kitchen before Heron busts in. Um, so her attention kind of gets drawn away by Louis and she gets frustrated again because he's like being a little bit of a dick um, as as a small child it <laughs> is wont to do. Um, and she kind of like in anger I guess towards his ungrateful attitude kind of lunges at Heron with the garlic press. Um, and because she kind of lunges at her like that and leaves herself open, uh, Heron is able to uh, disarm her. And she yes. lowers her hood, reveals her face. Um, she greets her as Agent 22, and Beakley in turn greets her as Black Heron, which we didn't actually know until now. Um, and... Spoiling you guys on the identity of the of the, of the main villain. villain this episode. <laughs> um, and Black Heron um, gasses her with her robot arm. Um, mm. So when the music kicks in, it's fucking classic spy music. It rules. Yeah. And I just think it's such a good example of how, like, the opening to this episode just does such a good job of setting up the tone. And it's like, this is the spy one. Yeah. We get, like, this reminder of the role that Beakley's playing in the mansion, how it kind of frustrates her because that's not her true self. It's kind of juxtaposed with her true self that she's, like, the spy. Yeah. Um, that she's, like, very, very competent with her job, but it's not what she's meant to do. It's not what she does do. Um, there's, like, this kind of Beakley frustration theme that's going to run through the episode. Um, and then Heron comes in as a big Bond villain. Um, like right out of a spy comic with like the very comic booky style and the martial arts fight, the music. Mm-hmm. And you know, the classic gadget arm also, like the, the robot yes. arm. Fantastic. And like the knockout gas. Yes. It's all very, very 
a Bond villain. I love Heron, by the way. Yeah. I'm going to talk about this multiple times during this episode. I think she's fucking fantastic. Oh, she rules. I um, love her. It's just such a fantastic precursor and a fantastic setup for the classic spy tropes that there are going to be visited throughout the episode. That this is where we're this is where we're at. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a really good example of how DuckTales episodes can do genre parody. Because they do it without committing entirely in that, like, the format the show maintained, the characterization and the kind of canon and the continuity is all maintained. It's still a DuckTales episode and it can still be taken, like, as gospel as a DuckTales episode. You don't have to pass it through any filter of, like, yeah, well, this is in the context that it was the spy episode. So we have to kind of take it out of that context before we consider it. Um, It seems to be kind of that the world that they built that they have been building up this entire season is so broad that this is just the episode where we're going to explore the corner of that world that fits the spy theme. This is the spy part of the world, the same way that we can have like the magic part of the world and the science part of the world and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't feel like, um, it, this like, it doesn't feel like it is just the spy episode. Like it is obviously, taking a lot of cues and doing a lot of kind of uh like classic spy tropes but it doesn't feel like it is uh leaning on it i guess yeah um, if, yeah so it, it doesn't feel separate from the rest of things like a lot of the time uh when when shows will do like a genre parody it feels quite detached from the rest of like uh you know the rest of a season perhaps mm-hmm. but this manages to both uh do a really good like a really good spy episode like a really good you know classic james bond secret agents that kind of thriller thing without completely breaking from the general tone of the show uh it's really well written yeah because usually in these kind of genre parody episodes of a show it's kind of you kind of have to take it for granted that for the runtime of the episode these characters are not going to behave how they usually do. They're not going to yeah. maintain their normal characterization. This isn't going to fit into the overall plot. Whatever else, you, you do consider it like it is a departure. It is like an experiment. It's not yeah. canon. Um, and when Duchess does it, it is canon because this is just a facet of who Bleakley is and has always been. And who yeah. Scrooge is and has always been, and it fits for both of their characters. That Scrooge is this jack of all trades, that he's had lived such a like a long and varied life, that he's been an explorer and that he's been whatever else. Of course, he would have been ser- served as a spy at some point, um, yeah. even outside of the kind of organization. Um, so there's kind of a time skip here, which is a little bit disorienting. Um, which is Scrooge comes downstairs to breakfast. Um, he passes by the near comatose boys. Apparently, this uh, this they started watching this twenty four hour marathon in the evening, <laughs> which is a really interesting structure <laughs> for an all day marathon. To yeah, not and start during the day. <laughs> that they start it starts apparently during the evening and through the night. <laughs> so <laughs> they're like still watching it in the morning, and they're like not alive anymore. Um, and he joins Webby at the break- at the kind of dining table, and he's a little bit bewildered because Beakley didn't show up to wake him up or bring him his breakfast. Um, and uh, she usually brings him his tea, 
Um, but when he brings this up, uh, Webby just gets excited by the opportunity to uh, to make it for him without being stopped. <laughs> um, so I just really love how disgusting Scrooge's horrible frugal tea is. I, he's so he horrible and cheap. For a month. He uses the same tea bag for a month and he puts in one drop of milk. Like, sorry, Scrooge, just don't take milk if you take one drop, you freak. His, his nutmeg tea sickens me. It's awful. It's disgusting. Uh, it's terrible. Later on, we'll find out that, that Webby hates it. She's correct. She is right to hate it. This sounds like a foul concoction. It is. It's, like, it's this, is just like, this is just like a cup of like hot water, is what it, it is. is a, it's a cup of hot water of... of it's like a cup of hot water with like an aftertaste of like stale tea bag. And, <laughs> and like... It's statistically insignificant amount of milk. Like, why is why is Scrooge introducing milk to his tea like he's trying to build an immunity to arsenic? What the fuck is going on? <laughs> it's his lactose intolerance. He wants to get over it. <laughs> One droplet at a time. Um, uh... <laughs> but it but it ends up with this kind of this one of the I think the cutest scenes ever, uh, which is Webby kind of trying to bond at Scrooge by copying him and yes. so she kind of mimics all of his movements and it culminates in her bouncing a teacup and saucer on her head like a hat with her <laughs> mouth full of tea and it's adorable it's um, so cute it is so cute and I just love it because it's just this quick little scene there's absolutely no dialogue um just like the sound effects and the and the kind of back and forth the visual back and forth between the two of them and it perfectly encapsulates Scrooge and Webby's entire relationship up to this point. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. it, it really gets like the and it's it, it, um the introduction uh like of Webby to the scene. By the way, she is like at the table reading an unauthorized biography of Scrooge, which is such a funny thing to do <laughs> with like in the presence of the person in question. <laughs> by the way, who you've lived with your entire life. I'm going to trust this random, this random author. <laughs> this unauthorized biography called "The Man with the Golden Everything," um, um, and so it's, it it does a really, really good job of um, kind of reminding us of of Webby's the hero worship is what it is of Scrooge, um, and yeah. how Scrooge has really no idea how to interact with Webby, which is um. Which is fair, considering he basically ignored her existence for like ten years. <laughs> he has. <laughs> he has no idea who this child he lives with is. Um, yeah. And since kind of the pilot, and he's like woken up to the reality of like children and people outside of himself, <laughs> he still isn't like used to it, and he is just completely unequipped to deal with not only like a small child, but a small child who values his opinion and values his attention and everything so much it's a it is a lot of pressure with children in general because particularly small children pretty much everything you do has an impact right yeah um and it's kind of multiplied with webby because she idolizes him so much and she places so much stock in what he thinks so any kind of example of her of his dismissal of her is you know particularly devastating um and now scrooge is just kind of having to uh <laughs> having to wake up and deal with that um <laughs> and he's like 
just in this in this little silent little scene, he's very put off by her scrutiny and by her kind of copying him because he just doesn't yeah, get yeah. it. You don't really understand. He's, like he's very intensely awkward for a lot of this episode. Um, it, it's very funny. It's kind of like <laughs> it's it's just like kind of the the consequences of being just like a reclusive bitch for ten years coming back to bite him. Um, yeah. Very funny. Very very funny. It's it's a it's a very kind of charming side to him that awkward the like awkward well meaning side, yeah. And it would be more charming if it wasn't kind of coming at the expense of Webby, but <laughs> yeah. this is just kind of how it is. Um, he's um. such he's such a bitch. Um, <laughs> he I does do... have nice moments in this episode. I think we are finally going to be able to justify uh, yes. Scrooge fans a little bit. We're kind of coming around. <laughs> Um, there is a, a great little bit where he kind of tries to he kind of tries to like shake it off and like read the newspaper and then she sidles up next to him and says far too loudly, so what are your thoughts on sword horses? And then clarifies that she means unicorns. I love Webby so much. <laughs> the perfect girl. This is the perfect little girl. Um I just love um that it's kind of like Oh, you know, like typical little girl that loves unicorns, but she likes them because they can impale their enemies. Um, yeah, <laughs> and the sword horse swords on their head. The sword horse thing is something that's going to come back in a couple of episodes. Um, mm-hmm. In uh, the other bit of Scrooge McDuck, I believe. Yes. Um, it's just it's just such a charming thing that Webby calls unicorns sword horses. I love it very very much. It's very very good. <laughs> Um, and I just, I just find it so charming her like lack of volume control here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she is just like so desperate to connect with him on some level, and he is like so taken aback by it. Yeah. Um, so kind of realizing that Beakley is not about to show up and fix his breakfast, uh, Webby offers to uh, to go and make it for him, and he kind of tries to cut her off. No, no, I'll do it myself. Um, because he doesn't want really want to interact with her anymore. Um, <laughs> so they go into the they go into the kitchen, but they find the carnage that's left behind from last night's fight. Um, Bruce discovers a single black feather on the floor and is launched into a flashback. Um, but before that, he does offhandedly reveal that Donald is trapped in the pantry, has been for an undisclosed <laughs> amount of time, and then makes no effort to free him. <laughs> <laughs> The, the context of this being, um, they see the they see like the the wreckage. Webby suggests that maybe Donald tried to make an omelet again, and Scrooge brushes her off by saying, "Oh no, no, he still hasn't figured out how to get out of the pantry." And it kind of pans over to Donald yelling himself hoarse behind the locked pantry door. <laughs> Nobody ma- like there's so there's there's two possibilities here. One is that Donald has been stuck in the pantry since before the fight, and he was in there the whole time, which is hilarious. <laughs> like he was just there, and the other the other one is that Donald came down to the kitchen that morning, saw the wreckage, went oh okay, went into the pantry and got locked. <laughs> so that that means that he saw this like wreckage where people had obviously gotten hurt. There was like this massive horrible scene of destruction, and then thought hmm I'm hungry and went to get something to eat. Went into the pantry and got stuck. <laughs> Uh, every read of this situation is fantastic, honestly. <laughs> it's really good. Uh, oh, so um, we get the this flashback, right? It goes back mm. to Shush Headquarters, London, the past. 
Um, <laughs> it does not give us a concrete I, I, year. I think I, I think it says many years ago. Specifically, yeah, which is very funny. Um, it's definitely possible to figure out when exactly this was, but um, oh the yeah, it's, it's the sixties. Like, <laughs> yeah, like it's it's just very funny how evasive it is. It's just like oh, you know, <laughs> you know, you know. Um, this is uh, what I really like on this. This is the confirmation that Shosh is a real ass organization that just happened to have a massive billboard in an unpopular <laughs> TV show. <laughs> I think I think the read the read that it's just like you know like the CIA or like MI6 like it is just like a known organization yeah. that is that you know is used as like a plot device in TV shows and movies. Um, but still operates as like an actual, uh, yeah. you know, like 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 agency. It's just very funny for it to be like, it's <laughs> just like in Darkwing Duck. It's you, just really could you, funny. Could you imagine watching Adam West Batman and there's a massive fucking billboard for like the CIA? <laughs> the billboard is really what gets me. <laughs> Why the fuck are they using a billboard? Why are you advertising? Who's their target audience for that? Who is in their cars and goes, hmm, I've never considered the CIA before. Also, there's a Burger King on the next exit. (laughs) It's really funny. It's really, really good. (laughs) I love this. I love Shush being real. Shush rules. Um, so we get to see this young, stylish Beakley, uh, awesome hoop earrings. Uh, she's reading over a case tile. Um, so based entirely on Beakley's fashion, we can figure out that this is roughly 60s because yeah. you know she has this like obviously the big hoop earrings, uh, turtlenecks. Um, she's got like this very bouffant hairstyle. Uh, later on, she'll have like in the auction, she has like this beehive hairstyle, which is very classic 60s. Um, and this kind of general kind of bodysuit. Um, slim fit kind of uh fashion um yeah. it's all very very 60s and it also that era fits in very well with the classic bond spy shit like yeah 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 this was very much like a kind of golden era for like spying mm-hmm. like the portrayal specifically the portrayal of spying in like modern media where it's um kind of this uh this fantasy this kind of power fantasy specifically for men which is like (laughs) you get to hang out in evening wear and have sex with beautiful ladies and attend you know these high class events um and have you know this is like there's this uh this fascination with gadgets you know um like a lot of personal gadgets there's a, it's a it's a very individualistic um kind of conception of of spying um which is kind of mm-hmm. divorced like which is kind of apolitical you know almost because yeah. In, yeah. in these in these like in these like uh in these kind of specific kind of 60 spy things the the fantasy has to kind of appeal to the everyman so they're never going to ask any hard questions about uh, the intentions of uh, of the agency that James Bond works for or the kind of ramifications of his actions. He's going <laughs> to be taking down uh, supervillains who uh, yeah. want to blow up the earth or whatever. 
Um, he yeah. is not going to be uh, doing what um, government spies tend to do, uh, like destabilize countries. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a, what an interesting episode of Ducktales that would be. <laughs> 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 looking, at the, looking at the ethical ramifications of Shosh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, like that's the, that's the, that's the era that we're playing in. That's the that's the genre, the spy genre that that we're fit kind of slotting into, and it and it works yeah. very very well. Um, uh, but it also means that uh, if we assume that like if we assume that Beakley is like as young as she can be in this flashback, so like she's in her like say early twenties. That makes her like late seventies, early eighties in the present day, um, which like it's not unrealistic because Scrooge is one hundred and fifty years old, but it sure is something. <laughs> yeah, you know she ages well. She does. Mm, uh, she's doing it. good. Um, so Ludwig von Drake kind of bursts in. Yeah, he's the director of Shush. He mm-hmm. kind of tries to give this debriefing on uh, what Beakley's mission is going to be, um, but she has, having read the file, is way ahead of him. Uh, I just really like this because it's like such a good illustration of how, like, what is the point of these fucking briefings anyway in these spy movies? Like, they should know this stuff. Giving exactly. the most basic possible facts of a case, like, and not like, you know, giving them, like, these are the most basic facts of the case. This is shit, like, we live on planet Earth, <laughs> you know? Like, <laughs> this is stuff that they should know situationally already about, like, the current climate that they're in. Like, they should know these characters or these figures. And the information that they really need is stuff like, what time is he going to be home? What are the guard shifts mm-hmm. like? What is the security on his, like, fucking island base or whatever? They don't need to know, this is why we want bad guy to stop doing bad thing <laughs> so the fact that like he's like dismayed by the fact that Beakley obviously knows all this already because she read the file because she's a good agent and like knows everything about it already and she doesn't need the basic facts of it restated for her is very funny so like I love the like like Von Drake like comically clicking through the projector slides while Beakley just like <laughs> just like talks over him He's like getting more and more dismayed. It's so funny. (laughs) So funny. It's really, really good. And because the thing is, like, Beakley's right. Like, like the file was there on the table. (laughs) Yeah, was like a job. Was she just supposed to like not (laughs) read it? (laughs) Which like Scrooge didn't. The thing is, Uh... the thing is, is that this specific kind of genre of spy fiction has been kind of um, deconstructed before in Archer. Uh-huh. And so a, I know like a lot of these kind of jokes that get made in DuckTales, I've like recognized in other forums in Archer because this is a similar thing. Because the kind of, obviously the uptight, protocol-driven deeply professional agent paired with the kind of loose cannon maverick who Mm -hmm. doesn't really prepare himself and goes off intuition and is kind of relying on like ego and skill 
um, is a very kind of time-honored partnership. Yeah. It's something that we see a lot of. Um, but Archer kind of very specifically encapsulates like this a kind of almost exact dynamic of there's like a running gag of Lana having familiarized familiarized herself with the case file so she knows all of the fucking information like this is the kind of security they're using this is how many men this guy has whatever else and Archer just doesn't and he gets shot like this this exact situation has played out and I think it's interesting (laughs) to see how this specific genre of spy fiction this 60s style kind of um your this kind of like 60s style kind of a big bond kind of uh spy stuff gets deconstructed in the same way across these kind of very vastly different genres and intended audiences mm. um yeah also um uh Beakley's just kind of general look is uh reminds me a lot of uh of lana and archer mm-hmm. i haven't <clears throat> i haven't watched i haven't watched archer but i do uh, vaguely know the character you're talking about, and you're right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's the yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I should watch Asha. Unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. It's not fantastic. Um, uh, I've had it recommended to me a couple times before, so it's kind of been on my list for a while. They um, do some. They do some crazy shit in like later seasons. Um, do they do like just like just like complete just like alternate universe shit it's just like this time they're like in space or something like that i can't remember but that's because um, he got uh he got shot and he went into a coma and then they did actually <laughs> dreamland um that's awesome <laughs> so the entire thing is like it just like this kind of coma playing out um dreamland is actually one of the best seasons i think uh they just went fucking insane with it um that's awesome i don't maybe know I'll what watch I- next. maybe that'll be my obsession <laughs> the thing is they got to space before in like the regular show, but they also had a they also had a Seal Out twenty twenty episode. Oh, which I also have thought about every single time I've watched the depths of Cousin Feathery because, <laughs> like, Sublab, Seal Out twenty twenty, or Seal Out twenty twenty one, or whatever, all of this shit. It's like. <sighs> Like the original Sea Lab was just this environmentalist cartoon. It was very innocent. <laughs> it was very normal. And then Sea Lab 2020 was like, or Sea Lab 2021, or whatever the fuck it was, was like, you know, um, yeah, we're taking all the footage from fucking uh, this environmentalist cartoon, but we've redubbed it and reanimated it and chopped it up and kind of remixed it into uh, this cartoon about uh, all these people who have been kind of stuck on this underwater lab for like <laughs> so many years and the captain's gone fully insane and everybody <laughs> fucking hates each other because they're losing their minds <laughs> and all this kind of stuff and then Archer did the episode that Archer did their sea lab episode where it was just the captain and it was the same voice of the guy because sea lab 2021 was adult swim um kind of as was Archer so they had the same guy who did the voice of the original captain in the Adelson version and he was in a in in an underwater lab and he had like been alone for a long time and he'd gone insane and he's 
like made up this big thing about how he was gonna bomb America with these nuclear warheads if they didn't um reduce if they didn't stop overfishing or some shit. And they went down to deal with him and he was like, I just wanted attention. I'm <laughs> gone fucking insane. And then he got like you got like feature. Yeah, he got like he got like fucked up by a vending machine, I remember. Like very gory. Anyway. Um because anyway. obviously obviously shit went wrong. Anyway, anyway, anyway. <laughs> the point being, I I have gone on this tangent before, not on the show, but I have definitely gone on this tangent before in the privacy of my own mind. Um how many kind of uh how many kind of similar uh parodies are done or or deconstructions are done with the same concept. Um and Archer having parodied pretty much everything. Um but uh specifically the very the very different um iteration's of C Lab 2020 <laughs> are fascinating to me <laughs> because I just love the idea that someone would grow up with their impression of the C Lab idea being feathery duck and then <laughs> being like, hang on, this is what it was referencing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so excited for this tangent to be in its rightful place in the depths of Cousin Fed 3. Oh, Jesus. Anyway. Uh, it's not that far back, away, honestly. We have to go, we have to get back to spy stuff. We, okay. have, to talk, we have to keep talking about this actual episode. <laughs> yeah. We should uh, basically that Beakley's competent. Um, she's the Lana Kane of the situation. But what I really liked about this is that I like this as like this trait of Beakley's that she's like not just kind of vaguely hyper competent in this kind of all encompassing way, but that she's kind of specifically has excellent researching skills and memorizes important information. Um, and this being a trait that we see in in this kind of more raw form in Reb- in Webby, that yes, you know, uh, I think that's very very cute. Um, that's not friends in the family. Yeah. So in Beakley summary, we get some back hair and info. Um, she's a martial artist, robotics engineer, and chemist. I love this because it's just such a good example of like you ha- you can't you can't just like have like your mad scientist and not have them like have specific skills. So it's like mm-hmm. okay, so she's a robotics engineer, all right, and she's a chemist, and she's a <laughs> martial artist. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is she's the ideal woman. Yeah. Um, basically. Um, um the 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 oh god. I'm sorry. I'm just like looking at my notes for this. I'm just thinking about the insane like uh crossover that this episode actually oh, is Jesus and just kind of reveling in it. Yeah. And <laughs> because the fact of the matter is um, this episode is a, a sleeper crossover for one of the earliest Disney afternoon uh, cartoons, which is um, The Adventures of the Gummy Bears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, which, to be entirely honest, me personally did not realize this was such a well-loved and well-remembered cartoon. <laughs> I didn't realize I there honest. was a depth of lore in the Gummy Bears. There is a lot of lore about the gummy bears. Um, I've never, I've never seen it before. I've never watched um, the Adventures of the Gummy Bears, um, but I have, through the course of um, preparing for this episode, I've done 
quite a lot of research about it. Um, a little bit obsessed with it, not going to lie. Um, one one of my favorite facts, which is that um, the inspiration <laughs> for the show is literally that um, Disney CEO Michael Eisner was uh, struck with inspiration when his son just asked for gummy bears. And he was <laughs> like, wow, that w- we can make a cartoon out of that. <laughs> and they just did that. <laughs> um, and Michael Eisner thought, I want more money. Um, insane. It's just insane. Very insane. Um, my kind of okay. <laughs> my favorite thing about this is that Disney, it's such famously has this kind of Byzantine like uh, licensing kind of division. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously when they set out to make Ducktales, Frank has talked about how they just asked for every character basically from this from the Ducktales comics or whatever to be licensed so that they get it. Did they have to like sit down and go, okay, we really want gummy bears? And did they have to go and ask specifically for gummy bears and explain? Or were they just like, did they ask for like Mickey Mouse again? And they were like, no, you can't have Mickey. We've been over this. But here's what you can have. And just gave him a bunch of like rejects. And they were like, yeah, whatever. You can have like fucking gummy bears and you can have like, I don't know, Tailspin and Rescue Rangers. Like, just fuck off and be happy with those, okay? And they were just, like, looking through the list, and they went, eh, gummy bears, let's do something with that. But <laughs> 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 it's my episode. Uh, I love it. I really love it. Um, I'm, like, uh, I, did, I did just need to do a quick search, because I know that Frank's talking about this in his, um, in, in, in his uh, Twitter thread about it. And um, the, the, the way that this happened was that, um, uh, they asked them. They asked Disney to clear every character from the original series, all the American, European, and South American duck comics, and then every character from Darkwing Duck and Tailspin and Gummy Bears and et cetera, et cetera. And then they were just like, "Yeah, this is fine." So they gave it. They gave them everything. They just like basically the setup was like they asked, and Disney was just like, "Yeah, I guess." Yeah, <laughs> but you can't have was, Mickey Mouse. You can't have Mickey Mouse. It was very much a case. I think it, was, it feels very much a ca- like a case of like didn't expect to get this far. I feel like they was kind of asking to be like, well, well, okay, we've got all these comics characters, can we have Darkwing Duck? And Disney's like, yeah, sure. And they're like, um, uh, can we have Tailspin? And Disney's like, yeah, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, it kind of feels like they were like throwing shit at the wall. Like they were like, we'll just ask for as much as we can think of. And then whatever we get, we get. Yeah. (laughs) They were like, yeah, sure, you can have all of it. And now they're like, what the fuck are we going to do with gummy bears? (laughs) <laughs> exactly like aiming high and being prepared to be disappointed but then disney's like fuck it do gummy bears who give a shit <laughs> oh, insane insanity so this comes into play in that beakley is recapping uh the file and the case um and she recounts that black heron is after the last page of the great book which was unearthed at castle dunwin there is a secret on the page it's being auctioned off they have to get it first it's classic spy stuff. Yeah. Um, but then uh, Ludwig von Drake, very off, <laughs> very clearly excited at finally having something that Beakley doesn't already know, <laughs> says, "Oh yeah, but you're gonna have a partner because you need to. We you need we need someone. Uh, we need a VIP at this auction. We need someone who can get in and then reveal Scrooge McDuck in one of my favorite outfits. I really like this very sixties uh, Scrooge." Oh. 
Um, it's very cute. Um, it's nice to see it's 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 nice to see different eras of Scrooge. Um, mm-hmm. He's playing kind of the bad boy Maverick um, to her kind of straight laced by the book's uh, competency. Uh, so he's the Archer to Alana, basically. Um, he gets gifted a school a cool spy cane. Um, and he's it's actually going to recur when they have kind of dealings with Fowl in the future. Um, it's the action cane. PKK. PPK. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Is PPK a reference to Paper Enic? Um, No, I think it's actually a James Bond thing. Oh, um, is it? I don't really know anything uh, about James Bond. Um, the Von Drake action cane PPK. I think I uh, saw this somewhere. I can't remember what it was. I'm fairly sure it is a... Uh, um, I trust you. Yeah, I think I think it was a, a a James Bond thing. Any um any Bond heads out there, feel free to yell at us for getting this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> any massive James Bond fans? Um, yeah, um, no, this not a this not a paper Nick um reference. That would be uh uh P and K P P K. No, that's the paper Nick is just P K. I think because oh he's just paper Nick adventures P K. Yeah. Um. So, okay, no, yeah. Um, the, the action cane PPK is named after James Bond's usual weapon of choice, the Walter PPK. Oh, I see. Yeah, there you okay. go. I've, I've only watched like one James Bond movie, and I like laughed too much to, to pay attention to anything that was happening. Um, I've never watched a James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, basically, uh, Scrooge kind of likes. Kind of plays around with the cane a bit. He does not do any research into how it works. Almost gets them all killed. Whatever. Um, <laughs> classic, classic Scrooge. Um, <laughs> back in the present, he bids his like solemn farewell to the children. <laughs> it's like he's 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 fully prepared to like die on this mission and never see them again. But they're like not alive anymore because they've watched too much Ottoman Empire. So he, <laughs> they basically just kind of ignore him. We get this like. Very cute, very kind of cute animation of Louis shushing him, but like being way too tired, so he like moves like his hand all his over his face. It's really, really, really good. I love, I love, I love Scrooge as well. He's just kind of like you know, Donald's in the pantry if you need anything. Better <laughs> come back with a pleasure knowing you all. And the kids are like, Shh, shut up. <laughs> they, don't care. they don't care that their uncle is about to go die. John's in the pantry if you need anything is an absolutely hilarious thing to say. He's just gonna leave him there. <laughs> oh, uh, he didn't even do you think he even said goodbye to Donald? No. <laughs> he said goodbye through the pantry door. <laughs> uh, so Webby intercepts him before he can leave. Um and she insists on going with because it's her grandmother and she does know everything about Scrooge and the case, but Scrooge refuses. Um so she just stows away in the submarine, obviously. Um, we get a, on the submarine. We get this great recurring gag of Launchpad being a better pilot slash driver slash sailor. Is that what you call someone who's who like? What do you call someone who like pilots a submarine? I think it's just. I think it is just um a pilot. Like, I think it, so. Pilot is definitely the verb, but I'm not sure if it's the noun. You know. No, I, I would call it a submarine pilot. Um. Yeah, I think submarine pilot is, like, acceptable nomenclature. Um, Ah, it does look like it, huh? Which does feel very strange. It feels weird. I do do like, um, (laughs) the launch pad 
um being better at uh piloting <laughs> with um I, like like because there's the there's the joke where like he he crashes a little bit because the blind blindfold slipped which yeah is, like, or he was briefly mark, able to see where he was going another mark on my my theory board that launchpad navigates through life on just pure childlike belief that <laughs> <laughs> being able to see where he's going is actually a detriment yeah he doesn't need like he doesn't he just need things like reality getting in his way exactly um, and we get also we also get a Scrooge shoving shoving a a life jacket on Webby, which is adorable because she gets yes. she finally gets the chubby cheeks of the of the life jacket. Yes, I love that all all baby child ducks look like that in a life jacket. It is a very very cute design choice. Um, it is. It's so awesome. It's very cute. Like when they when when uh, uh launchpad crashes a little bit, she like rolls across the floor <laughs> like a dropped hot dog. It's like. <laughs> She's like immobile. It's really good. <laughs> uh, so we get another flashback, um, and it's the auction, and it's again very classic spy stuff. You know, it's the high profile event. It's very, very high class. You know, they're they're in evening wear. Um, Scrooge gives us a little bit more ex- exposition. Uh, reveals that the crossover uh, sure is that. Um, sure is. Yeah, we get a look at the we get a look at the page and yep, that's gummy bears. That's the, gummy bears. It, yep, because the the page thereafter is um it contains alchemical formulas for for potions and elixirs and um the the high priests of Dunwin were, were you know mentored by I don't think they say gummy bears at any point. I don't think they actually say. I don't bear think they they don't say gummy bears. We just got the the very ominous silhouettes of the gummy bears. They're, they're really. <laughs> This is like two steps away from like a like a fucking like horrible urban legend about like (laughs) mysterious figures in the woods. But um it's uh it sure is something. It is really incredible. Um I I mean regardless of our thoughts on it, it's happening. (laughs) It sure is happening. This really is something that they did. Um I think it's I I am very firmly pro this this gummy bears crossover. I think it's hilarious. Um, I think just, it's really funny to put it in the spy episode. <laughs> they just did it with total confidence. Exactly. And like, the thing is, like, I feel like this is a just like another sign that you know, uh, I was uh, I missed the train. I was born born too late for the Disney afternoon. Probably born to Australian, I would imagine. Um, <laughs> apparently, Gummy Bears just like had like a really strong following. So. Um, they they were pretty confident with this one and like I mean I guess the good thing is that the episode doesn't hinge on the Gummy Bears crossover. Um it is more of just like an Easter egg, I suppose, for, for fans who are like willing to be like, Oh, Castle Dunwin, I know that. Um, hey, yeah. like bouncy, I know what that is. So it doesn't hinge on it as much as say the literal next episode, which is also a crossover. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the, the 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 tailspin crossover is a lot more um Hey, look at these guys! Than the gummy bears crossover, but it's still like, it's it's really incredible. It's fantastic. I just like, I'm just still so obsessed with them being like, hey, can we have gummy bears? And Disney being like, sure. And they're like, well, we have gummy bears now. We have to do something with it. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane, insane, oh, very so, insane. The bidding starts. 
Um, and Scrooge is too cheap to keep bidding past the amount of money Shush gave him to spend. So Heron just lawfully buys it. Like, she doesn't do anything wrong. She just buys it and then just happens to leave by jumping out the window. Fully legal interaction. Nothing uh, wrong here. Scrooge is just such a massive ass. He didn't want to pay any of his own money, even though he would like almost definitely get it reimbursed. Right? He's such like, a bitch here. He's so horrible. He's like, oh, I don't want to... I won't do that though, because like Shresh only gave me sixty thousand sixty thousand dollars. And it's like, well, no, right? Because <laughs> all you have to do is like go back to Shush and be like, yeah, okay, I had to I had to spend some of my own billions of billions billions to buy this. Can you give me back the extra? And Shush would be like, Okay, bitch. I mean you don't need it, but fine, that is how we work. Like rich people were a fucking disease. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> oh. He he, do, he justifies it by saying that, oh, now we can just, like, steal it from it for free, so I've saved Shush money if you think about it. It's like, shut up! <laughs> like, you didn't need Shush to pay you off for this. You could have just done it out of pocket, you bitch. Like, if you want it, if you are so concerned with saving Shush money, why don't you just give them some fucking money? You have a lot. <laughs> uh, anyway. Um... <laughs> Be- be- so, to, to her credit, Beakley does punch him after he says, I just saved Shush money. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is very satisfying. <laughs> um, so back in the present, uh, Scrooge is insistent that this is a much more dangerous da- dangerous uh, than their regular kind of adventure fodder, you know. Um, he's kind of trying to quash Webby's enthusiasm at every step, and as many have before him, he failed to do so. <laughs> Uh, she is she she is irrepressible. Um, they are briefly attacked by an electric choo-choo. I mean, vintage trouble, um, which is one of my favorite kind of names for for things. Um, uh, trouble, 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 trouble. Um, <laughs> it's filled with incendium. <laughs> <laughs> I. Love when I like. I just love when like media just makes up like elements for the periodic table or whatever. Because I think this is like incendium, which is like a gas, supposedly. I think. Um, yeah, which is it's like a gas. Cool. So you would think, okay, it's incendium. It's gonna set things on fire. No, it it does like <laughs> electricity explosions. I guess. Yeah, like. <laughs> It bounces, okay, so it bounces on these very oddly placed berry trees. I'm not sure why they're placed like that. I'm not sure why they're in a straight line and there's only those berry trees, but whatever. It bounces from, like, tree to tree, and, like, when it, like, leaves the tree behind, it crackles electricity and then just blows up. (laughs) Oh, this is awesome. It's awesome. I love this. This is the, um, it's, uh, I forget what, what fucking, it's it's a spy movie or TV show. I can't remember. It's like said they're like on an island or something. It has like an orb garden guardian as well. Um, I forget what it's parodying. Hold on, let me see. Um, you hear Frankie yelling? I did hear Frankie yelling just then. Hi, Frankie. <clears throat> oh, it's 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 the orb is 
most likely a reference to um, Rover from The Prisoner, which Wikipedia very charmingly calls a plot device instead of, like, an entity. (laughs) 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 Oh... Um, uh, that, I think that's the greatest legacy to be classified as a plot device rather than a character or an entity or a living thing. Uh, it's a, uh, it's like a, it's Rover is just like a big, like white, kind of inflatable balloon kind of thing um, that can coerce and, if necessary, incapacitate people. In one incident, it even killed a person, but it's coerce? not clear whether it's <laughs> coerce. <laughs> is interesting. Um, <laughs> like, as in a pressure zone to do things? Um, <laughs> Let me actually hold on. Let me let me just quickly. I assume they mean it in terms of like it's like corralling them or like pressuring them in like a physical intimidation factor, like that it's like attacking people. Yes, but Um, coerce is interesting. like verbal manipulation. <laughs> yeah, it just brings to mind that there's like <laughs> this fucking bubble is making me smoke. Um, this bubble is peer pressuring me. It can incapacitate people either by blunt force impact or by suffocation through engulfing them. Um, I love uh... the things that are being listed like skills. <laughs> <laughs> Coercion. Um, there is this Coer- <laughs> it's like saying the boulder coerced me by fucking rolling me into a little ball boulder coerced me by crushing my head <laughs> boulder coerced me to the hospital by turning me into a pancake <laughs> the boulder's oh. tactics included rolling and crushing <laughs> what is this <laughs> I think one of my favorite things on on the the Wikipedia page for Rover is that um the sentence in one incident it even killed a person, but it is not clear whether the ability to kill was a normal feature of Rover or whether is or if this incident was a malfunction. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, Rover. Rover. Rover would often produce a muffled roar sound when attacking. <laughs> Terrified of this fucking thing. Jesus Christ. It would also sometimes emit a strained light display or luminescence from its interior. Mm. Um, it behaves as if it's a self-aware or quasi-intelligent entity, can interact with its environment. Um, <clears throat> Rover would occasionally be seen outside its normal environment, Sitting placidly in rooms in number two's chair, <laughs> roaming the streets of the vi- of the village, or being studied by unidentified persons in secret areas of the village. Can you imagine walking into your room and there's just like a fucking like six foot white orb sitting in your chair? Yeah, and you're like, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm feeling very coerced right now. <laughs> I'm feeling like I'm being coerced to to leave the room. And just let it get on with whatever it's fucking doing at my desk. What was it doing? I don't know, it doesn't matter. Occasionally, if attacking somebody in the water, the incapacitated victim would be carried back to shore by what appeared to be three smaller rovers. What? It had babies. (laughs) Oh my god, it had children. It was okay with killing people, but not with drowning them. 
I mean, it seems to be, it, it seems to be, well, it only killed somebody once. Um, and again, we don't okay, know whether so that... everyone makes mistakes. <laughs> you know, bad days. Just, I'm um, not feeling it that day. He really fucked up at the office, but, um, mm-hmm. um, I'm just like, because, like, I think, uh, again, I have not watched The Prisoner. Um, I only know of it through parody. I think probably The Simpsons also did a parody episode of it. But it, it yeah, seems to it be, it, it largely is just a plot device to prevent people from living, from leaving uh, the island. <laughs> just prevent people from living as well. <laughs> but, um, so in any case, that's what, um, that's what the draw bubble is referencing. Yeah. Uh, a huge kills people, only sometimes, though. Yeah. And can sometimes be seen sitting in your chair <laughs> and coercing you. Oh, a master of coercion and emotional manipulation. Um, so back in the past, on the very same island, Scrooge faced the exact same enemy with, uh, with Beakley. Um, and basically the idea that's kind of being got out here is that in the past, Scrooge was the webby of the team. Um, yeah. He was into over-enthusiastic and eager and, you know, kind of very confident in his abilities um, and, like, kind of wanting to prove himself. And Beakley was the cautious, responsible um, one who was aware of the danger of the situation. And now their kind of roles have been reversed in that Webby's the child. <laughs> <laughs> and Scourge is feeling very cautious and responsible. Um, but Webby and Scrooge are different, very different people. Um, so Webby isn't as like, ignorant as the da- of the danger as Scrooge kind of expects her to be. Um, mm-hmm. She knows exactly what the trouble is. She knows exactly what's in it. She is fully aware of the risks um, and everything that's kind of going on. She's just very, very excited to overcome those challenges. Um, exactly. And she wants to prove herself to Scrooge. Um, whereas Scrooge in the past was... <laughs> I've written here a reckless glory hound with far too much faith faith in his abilities, <laughs> um, which is a bit mean. <laughs> no, I think that's justified. I yeah. feel like that's entirely uh, within your rights to say because he is being he is being a, you know I feel like that's a bit too verbose. I would have just called him a bitch. Honestly, <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise known as. Um. There's um I do like I really like the because like obviously this the the flashback structure of this is meant to emphasize kind of the uh the 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 like the the echoing of of dynamics here um I really and I really do like the uh kind of like the feeling of um almost the theme of legacy I guess which is something that comes back a lot more in season three but um this is a I I just really like this and kind of um how the flashback works. The flashback structure works as like exploring uh, Webby and Scrooge's relationship and uh, Scrooge and Beakley's relationship. It's really cool structure. A um, little bit hellish to kind of summarize in an episode recap, as we've both discovered. Yes. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it works very well as like a storytelling uh, tool. Yeah, it does. Um, so, like, Current Scrooge and Beakley are also very like distinct in mm-hmm. that kind of in the past, Beakley was irritated by Scrooge, just kind of a loose cannon. She was, he was getting in the way of like the thing about Scrooge is that he was acting in a way that she couldn't kind of predict and account for in her plans because 
Bigley's kind of whole thing is being very prepared, following protocol, acting in ways that are predictable according to that mode of operation. And Scrooge is very instinctive and reckless and kind of does things on a whim. Um, so he, she couldn't kind of predict where he was or rely on him to behave in a certain way. Um, and that was very frustrating for her. Um, and he also just like did not prepare for this mission at all and didn't really know shit about anything, um, which is frustrating for an entirely different reason. Um, so Scrooge also kind of sees Webby as, as as a liability, but it comes from kind of underestimating her ability and having this sense of responsibility for her safety, um, especially in the absence of Beakley, because you can very much tell that he knows the entire time that he is going to get in so much fucking trouble for bringing Webby. <laughs> <laughs> he's, like, not happy about this. Like, he's not he's not really, like, you know, showing it or, like, thankfully he's not taking it out on Webby. But he knows he's in the shit. Like, yeah. you know, like he not only has to rescue Beagley, but he has to do it like while protecting her granddaughter, who he's gonna get yelled at anyway for bringing along. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get uh, one of the, my favorite lines, which is uh, so like Webby um proves herself to Scrooge um kind of uh not really not really proves herself to Scrooge, but impresses Scrooge by not behaving in the way that he would have expected, which is being extremely fucking excited about this. Um, <laughs> and Scrooge just say, you know, most kids wouldn't get so excited about impending doom. Louis most really just cries. <laughs> <laughs> I love that line so much. I also, I also noted that one down. <laughs> Louis mostly just cries is such a funny thing to say about your 10-year-old great-nephew. <laughs> yeah. When he's about to die, he cries. Isn't that fucked up? <laughs> but it's so it's so funny coming after a day of the only child where we saw where we saw Louis kind of crybaby quality. Because <laughs> it's true, uh, and this again is something that comes back in um uh, in the season of Louis, um, his feelings about death defying adventures. But it's just it's yeah. just nice. It's, it again, it's a joke, but it's also kind of speaks to the writing consistency where yeah, yeah. Louis is kind of a crybaby and he hates he hates dying. <laughs> Louis hates death and dying. Um <laughs> because he knows about it. Um <laughs> and it, it's just very funny that Scrooge kind of very blithely comments on this and obviously does not like kind of like take it into account at all. He doesn't go, hmm Maybe it's worrying that one of my one of my nephews that I should be taking care of is like consistently brought to tears by like the, the mortal peril that I place him in. Anyway, <laughs> weird, huh? Uh, um, anyway, glad you're excited to die, little girl <laughs> who I barely noticed by living in the same house as for ten years plus. Yeah. <laughs> so Webby uh, gets to impress Scrooge uh, with her instincts. She performs the exact same maneuver that Beakley did decades ago. So Scrooge just kind of uh, sees that parallel. He's like, oh my god, she's just like Beakley was. Um, she, uh, which is, by the way, uh, shoving Scrooge's action cane into the bubble and turning the incendium to helium and making it float away. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Um... <laughs> 
thermochemical cool. reaction that went on there. Because <laughs> the, the, the procedure that happens does seem to be, uh, I think a green smoke comes out of the cane. And yeah. Scrooge is like, Scrooge is like, helium! And it's like, mm, okay, <laughs> sure, why not? Let's just go with it. Scrooge's action cane has mastered the art of transmutation. <laughs> Scrooge is an alchemist. Um, Scrooge is an alchemist. He just hasn't figured out how to. Once he figures out how to turn lead into gold, we're all fucked. <laughs> um, uh, the, the kind of the, the I do love the kind of the shot of the bubble just flying away. <laughs> <It's kind> of, <laughs> like fucking <it's> vibes. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, it's really good. Yeah. Um. So she also. She like does this thing which which Beakley had done, and Scrooge is very impressed by it, and he tells her so. Um, but then he she also does the exact same thing that he did in the past, which was insist on yelling out a battle cry when they went into the cave. Um, so she's showing like this this highly competent side and this kind of very childish, excitable side, um, because yes. she is a child. Um, yeah, and that is her fucking god given right to be very stupid and overconfident. Because fuck yes, yeah, she's, she's like twelve. Yeah. Oh, uh, she's very cute. She's kind of like I really love the like um when they're like entering the cave and she's like vibrating with barely repressed excitement <sighs> and kind of like what do you want to do? And she's like, can we have a battle cry to strike fear into the hearts of our enemies? It's so cute. Because you know she has like dreamed about the day she gets to go on like a proper like adventure with Scrooge. So she has yeah. planned this. Out. She has thought about this battle cry for years which is a little bit funny because the battle cry she comes up with is get ready to lose bad baddies (laughs) (laughs) honey (laughs) you could go back to the drawing board on that one sweetheart (laughs) so cute um it's very sweet so this kind of uh, this kind of scene like it flips back and forth between flashbacks and one of the flashbacks there is a bit where Scrooge eats a possibly poisonous berry um, and then starts just like choking on the stem which is entirely unrelated to it maybe being poisonous and Bigley just kind of watches him choke and then is very visibly disappointed when he doesn't die. <laughs> oh, I love because it's this like it's like it's very funny kind of kind of like the the parallel dynamics here is very funny because uh in the present webby is the scrooge in the situation which like what a day for her she's being a, she is scrooge mcduck um, hell yeah fucking uh banner day for webby but also the fact that she is 12 years old or however old she's supposed to be she is still doing better than scrooge <laughs> like, yeah she's not picking role. picking random poisonous berries and eating them for no reason <laughs> Like, and like the fact that she is the one who you know gets off the attack that 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 uh defeats the bubble, and the fact that she is just like so much more visibly competent than Scrooge that she has Scrooge's kind of like blithe enthusiasm and enthusiasm and uh like excitement, I guess for like yeah. the situation, like a real like you know a real spy mission. But she also has something that he doesn't, which is competence. I feel like it should be noted also that the direct comparison being drawn here is between 12-year-old Webby and Scrooge, who was approximately at the time of this 90 years old. <laughs> 90 God-given years on Earth. 
This is this is the this this is the culmination of his abilities. <laughs> Scrooge dying in the bush. <sighs> Scrooge, Scrooge like offers very little. Like obviously he does uh play a role. Like he does he does actually kind of pull his weight in the you know in the sixties. He does actually do stuff. But the fact mm-hmm. that he's getting shown up by a tiny little child is really not doing a lot for his image. No, it's really not. Um, so they fight some robots. Uh, we first kind of get the flashback of uh, of Beakley and Scrooge fighting off the cool robots, uh, which um, Scrooge kind of calls down on them with his battle cry, which we don't get to hear. Um, they fight some robots. Uh, Beakley's kind of wrestling with one. Uh, Scrooge manages to push one into the pir- piranha pit, where it gets eaten up by piranhas. Um, there is a very disturbing scene where Robot 3 sees his brother be eaten by piranhas and reaches in to try and save him and gets his arm chewed off. And there's this, like, this genuine distress, which is very, very disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> and then Scrooge is like, okay, die. Um, but Scrooge, that's that's uh, that one, Robot 3, get away. Um, <laughs> there is a fucking deliriously funny bit where he throws a rock over his shoulder fully expecting it the rock to perfectly hit the robot on the head and and kill it like the impact of this like small rock is gonna is gonna kill it and he's like very smugly throws it over his shoulder without looking and it misses entirely and he's like oh it is really really good the scrooge in this entire scene is just like bumbling and like he can't like the 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 situation in which he like knocks the robot into into the piranha pit is like he fucks up using his cane like he doesn't know what any of the weapons do so he can't actually use it properly and he's just like a happenstance that he knocks one of the robots into the pit um he does then i think uh smash uh another robot on the head with some rocks so like he does do some things correct but the, like most of the most of his actions here are just like not paying attention, not using things correctly, uh, being so overconfident that he lets a robot escape, and he doesn't feel like going and chasing after it. He's it's like very funny, wildly incompetent. It's, it's very very funny. So so funny. Um. So then, current Scrooge and Webby have to deal with deal with the robot that got away all those years ago and is taking revenge for his fallen brothers. Um, and Webby uh, gets like the killing blow on this one and does does some sick flips um, and knocks it into the water where it gets electrocuted um, by water robot not no no well, well I, <laughs> I'll kill you if you edit that out <laughs> I won't <laughs> water robot not no no <laughs> I do like the in um uh, when the robot splashes into the water and like some piranhas like uh splash up they they all have like xed out eyes <laughs> they're all yeah. dead they're all dead because nobody's been seeing them. <laughs> I absolutely love the detail that they have to wade through all the, the pool of dead piranhas. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, Scrooge is fucking disgusted and Scrooge immediately fucking starts wading through the pool and Webby pulls out a grappling hook which like he could have gotten in on like. 
Scrooge could have like grappled with her and instead he was just like, oh my god, pool of dead piranhas going straight through that one. Ha ha ha. He also has the action cane. I'm sure there is something in there. <laughs> does his cane does he, he he like absolutely fucking has like the bouncing shit in the his The pogo cane, cane from, oh, from, from the DuckTales NES game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He absolutely has like Scrooge, what is wrong with you? Scrooge must have like actually wanted to go through this yucky dead fish water. Like there is no other reason that he did it. There was a, <laughs> a billion other solutions to this problem, but it's just like, oh, well, what are my options? Um, think about this for two seconds or go into yucky dead fish water. Might, might, might fuck around and wade through some yucky dead fish water and complain about it while like my, my 12 year old niece like expertly grappling hooks over like the entire pit and shows me up completely. Yeah. Uh, but I also the last thing I wanted to note about this scene is that there is some graffiti on the wall, which is binary code. Um, it spells for all you binary enthusiasts out there: zero one zero zero one zero one zero one zero one one zero one one zero one zero one one zero one zero zero one. And for anyone who wanted to know what that translates to, it is the letter J and the Greek letter Mu. So, good job. <laughs> Been a while looking at this. Definitely hoping it was going to be some, like some deep cut reference, but it's just some random numbers. I don't think it means anything. It does not mean anything. I feel like they like you could have at least made it ri- written like DT, you know, because obviously the problem with like binary code is that it's a lot of characters uh, that translate to one Unicode character. So to write an actual message in binary takes a quite a while. Um, yeah. So if you wanted to just like fill up this approximate space with some zeros and ones and have it spell something, you could have had it be like DT or something, something else or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I just really like they picked random ones and got <laughs> the letter J and the Greek and the Greek and the fucking. Um, Greek letter moo. It's great. It's really uh, good. <laughs> uh, I spent a while kind of like thinking, oh god, did I transcribe this incorrectly? And like I because I went and looked at it after I finished the episode and I was like, oh god, I don't want to reopen Disney Plus and go back and look at it. Um because I I also got like the same like meaningless like translation. Yeah. I was like, well, it probably just doesn't mean anything. Um yeah. unfortunately. I do like when there's kind of like a uh, code and shit like that in the back of in like the backgrounds of episodes. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. Um, oh well. So, the Scrooge realizing that Webby is useful to him. <laughs> and that's the only situation in which he pays attention to people. Um, he asks her why they've never actually adventured together before the boys came along, and Webby reminds him that up to this point he's been an evil old man. Um, and that she was told not to bother him. Um, Scrooge then reveals his total lack of observational skills, combined with the total lack of attention he pays to anyone beside himself, because he can't even guess Webby's favorite color when she's literally decked out in pink and is like she's pointing like, at her pink bow. And he's kind of like, uh. <laughs> um, and she like kind of takes this in stride and starts telling her, t- telling him some of his favorite things. Um, and then she even has to reveal that uh, she did drink uh, a whole teapot of nutmeg tea, but she hates it because she was just trying to impress Scrooge. Um, she actually likes juice. 
Um, I do like the, the detail that her favorite booby trap is spike pits. I just think that's cute. There's nothing to say about it. I just like it. I think she also <laughs> says her favorite weather is tropical storms. Her, no, her favorite storm is tropical cyclone meets thunder snow. Okay, um, sorry. I'm sorry for <laughs> misquoting, Levy. I'm sorry. Uh, I think maybe you need to get some better observational skills. Maybe you need to get to know Webby better. I just like that she, she, one, she has a favorite booby trap and two, that it's spike pits, which is yes. just like a booby trap that kills you. Like there is like, there is potentially like answers here that would just like incapacitate or like, you know, trap somebody. But spike no. pits is like that you die. You fall it's in there and you die. It's a nice, it's a nice callback to uh, the Living Mummies of Tafra, where she's perfectly happy to die as long as it's like in a right, cool, adventurous way. Exactly, exactly. Um, so what is cute about this screen is that Scrooge just kind of vowed to get her to know her better, and that he's going to yeah. remember all of this that she's told him. Yes. Um, so we get another flashback. Uh, Biki is captured by Heron in much the same way that she was in the present. Uh, knock out gas. She really never learns. Um. <laughs> We see her rescue play out on a conveniently placed projector in the present. So Black Heron just like set up this 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 like fucking old ass film camera and like a tape in it. Um I, I love this. I love this aspect of, of of Black Heron's kind of like character is that she's very like dramatic and theatrical. <laughs> she's she's um this the, the film rule that they that they play by the way is called Declaration of Harmful Intent number zero zero three nine, which I, I love it. Um, I, I love it so much, and I love that it's a consistent character trait. We're gonna see more of it. That she is yeah. so theatrical and so committed to the bit of being a villain. Um, <laughs> That she makes these declarations of harmful intent and she films things for posterity. And then obviously when Scrooge and Webby arrive, she's set this up so that she can show off her kind of past conquest, even though she gets beaten up in the tape. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so she's so she's such a fun villain. Like she's like so like crazy unhinged. Um, yes. Uh, like as we're about to see, she is like a, quite like a she's quite like an actual threat but she's mm. also got like she's also really good with like um her like, she hates being interrupted and she will uh, uh yeah. she, like do she like goes to these lengths to uh like she's just like the, like her video presentation is like that she's going to send to world leaders which yes. is just like a funny idea which is just like what you're just gonna post this to the president i guess yeah. <laughs> it's so good she's so uh, i I really, really like the aspect of Heron's character and a really strong one being that she's incredibly petty. Um, yes. And that, like, yeah, she's fantastic. Um, I love her so much. Um, so Heron explains that she's trying to recreate a substance that she declares to be history's greatest biological weapon, but she needs the exact recipe. Um, and she knows that Beakley will have memorized it as part of Mission Protocol. But Scrooge intervenes and the tape ends. Uh, they have a bit of a fight. Um, there's two things here. One of them is that Black Heron's kind of familiarity with Shush Protocol has always kind of made me think that she used to be a member of Shush before she went rogue. Um, mm -hmm. We're going to see that she went rogue far before this. She went rogue before Foul was formed. Yes. Um, but she has this line to be clear at one point. She's saying how Beakley is so like committed to protocol, and she says, You're even more fastidious than I am. 
Um, and it just really does come across like she has some personal knowledge. Um, mm. It's just kind of it. That's just a game theory. There's nothing really. <laughs> there's there's no there's no real substance to that. There's no kind of concrete um, reasoning behind it. But I I do think it's it's possible. Um, what is the best part about this this uh, film, however, is Scrooge coming into frame, standing always slightly out of frame, so it doesn't <laughs> look good, um, and making fun of the bounce aspect of the entire evil plan, where he has this whole fucking rant where he's like, what are you going to do, bounce? <laughs> bounce your way to victory? Fucking, like, what? <laughs> he's... he's finds it hilarious <laughs> there's um there's uh one of uh heron's lines here is a reference to the gummy bears theme song she says mm-hmm. bouncing here and there and everywhere mass destruction that's beyond compare um which is a, a line a slightly altered line from the gummy bears theme song which the original is bouncing here and there and everywhere high adventure that's beyond compare mm-hmm. but um Scrooge is just finding this entire concept laughable is really good <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he comes in and it's like what the fuck he's coming <laughs> come in his partner is like he's like chained up like clearly being held captive this villain is doing like her fucking like crazy monologue speech and he's like he's like you're fucking what you're bouncing what <laughs> it's really good Scrooge is literally coming in going this is the crossover with gummy bear <laughs> <laughs> what gummy bear what the <laughs> like the uh, like what <laughs> It's like, <laughs> like the sweets? What the fuck? Uh, oh, it's hilarious. So good. I feel, I, I feel like we've just um uh we've just alienated our American listeners by saying lollies and then sweets instead of the Americanized candy. <laughs> yeah. Do you call it do you call all sweets lollies? Yes. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> I is that is it like a lollipops? Is it like reserved for lollipops? Like I lollipops guess. and like ice lollies, you know, like anything that's ice on a stick. Oh, ice lollies. That's foul. That's disgusting. What's wrong ice with ice lollies? Ice blocks. They're ice no. blocks, clearly. No. no. All all lollies are lollies. Um, and there's very little specificity beyond that. <laughs> yeah. That seems that seems very broad. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking about it, and it's just like I don't think we have any further like categories. Uh, like obviously there is individual names of specific kinds of lollies, like 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 brand names and shit like that. But Golden Gate Time, yeah, of... yeah. Well, okay, no Golden Gate Time on lollies. They're ice creams. Um, first of all, by the way, <laughs> I mean, are they on sticks or are they like ice cream sandwiches? Uh, they're on sticks. I think you can get them as ice cream sandwiches, but they are like ice cream sandwiches. If they're on sticks, sticks. then they're ice lollies. I want to kill you right now. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that's on a stick is a lolly. It's a lollipop. I, I... like, no, a lollipop is like, a lollipop is like a lollipop. Okay, a lollipop, yeah. We all know what a lollipop is. Um, to me, my perception of the term ice lolly is like a water-based substance. Like, Yeah, I know what you mean. Not an ice cream-based substance. I would no. just call that an ice cream. Um, yeah, but... I think there is. I think there is some leeway there. I would say, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Um, Sometimes people will get a little bit crazy and say like, or like ice creams on sticks. They will say like, that's like a paddle pop, which is like a brand name. Um, but then you have like 
And you have like uh, like tangle twisters. Do you have tangle twisters? Twisters? No. Twisters, do you mean like the like the 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 kind of like long ice block that's like a spiral of like rendering? Yeah, and it's got the cream in the middle. Or the cream going around it. Yeah. Because that's that's a mixture between like an ice lolly and what you would describe what you would describe as an ice cream, I guess. I would call that an ice block, honestly. I feel like if there is the presence of uh like water based uh you know like ice substance in it i would call it an ice block like i would call but then you'd call a magnum like an ice cream even though it's on a stick yeah of course i would it's not an ice lolly it's an ice cream like i get what you mean i get what you mean i think ice lolly is a useful is a Ice lolly versus ice cream is a useful demarcation in terms of the in terms of the the uh, composition of the treat itself. Exactly. I just think that lolly describes anything that's on a stick. You are unhinged. <laughs> Saying, I mean, there's a lot of leeway. There's a lot of leeway. I mean, for the most part, like we do, just use brand names. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an absolutely hilarious. Uh, like twisters, my mom calls them tangle twisters because they used to be called tangle twisters when she was growing up. Mm. Um, but there's this knockoff version in Little, which is called Huracan. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, it's like it's like gelatelli or whatever, which is like the kind of faux Italian like little brand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for like, for, you know, for that kind of stuff. Um, and they call it Huracan. Which sounds very Irish because it's like uses the uses the Irish like accent, um, but I'm pretty sure that's not the Irish name for for a tornado. Like obsessed with this tangent that we've gone on. By the way, I don't intend to. I like I'm I'm not cutting us off. I'm just kind of being very aware that we've taken a right turn. Is the thing is. The thing is, I don't think that Huracan is the Italian for for Hurricane. I think it's the Spanish for Hurricane. But I always have to say it Huracan like it's Irish because it just reads as an Irish word to me. Mm-hmm. So we like to call it the Huracan. Um, but it's like a tang- it's like a it, it, it's just a twister, you know, tangle twister. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I, wanna, I yeah, do like want to. Anyway. Just quickly revise my answer. I did lie to you and say that I knew what a twister was because I was confusing with a cyclone, um, which is a very similar thing, but it does not have uh, ice cream in it. It is all ice block. Um, oh, so I'm I'm very sorry for lying to you, lying to your face. Just yes, saying. that's what I meant when I that's what I meant when I said that 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 a twister is uh is like a mix, mixture because it has it has the ice cream in it. I think I was just having a false memory of what a cyclone was. I think you said that, and I was like, yeah, that sounds about right, because I haven't had a cyclone in a while. Um, but I would, like, do you have, like, splice um, ice creams or ice blocks? Hang on. Do I got distracted in the Twister Google's, Google image search um, and saw one of these uh, images of source from a site called IrelandBeforeYouDie.com. <laughs> what? Um, hang on. Ireland before you die. The only travel website you need to plan trips in Ireland. I don't know why they uploaded a picture of an ice cream. Anyway, uh, Splice. Um, I, I've just looked it up and Splice are only available in Australia and New Zealand. I think a Splice is one that I would 
happily go either way on and calling it an ice cream and ice block. Yeah, we have the same type of thing. It's not called a spice, but like that kind of like ice cream in the middle and like kind of a, a frozen yeah. like fruity yeah. kind of outside. Yeah, I, I would I would be happy calling that one either an ice cream or an ice block because I feel like both uh, components are fairly equal. Um, ice block is just not a term here. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, yeah. I feel like that's reasonable. I think ice block does seem like a very Australian word to me. What do you call the, um, you know, like the plastic, uh, the like very thin plastic, tubes with the flavored syrup that gets frozen thin plastic tubes with flavored syrup that gets frozen <laughs> I, I explained that in the most perverse fucking way i explained that like a serial killer i'm sorry i, I can't remember the after i can't remember what we call it it's a problem <laughs> i cannot picture what kind of food item you are describing to okay 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 mm-hmm. it's not like a calippo but it's the same because a clippo is in like the cardboard um uh-huh. Yeah, no, I know what a clippo is. We have clippos, of course we do. Yeah. But it's the same it's the same product pretty much. But like they're like sold, you know, they're sold in the they're they're sold in like a clear a clear, like thin plastic sheeting oh, and they're really oh, sharp. You know, yeah, like oh, they because yeah. you sum um, them and they cut the sides of your mouth with the um, plastic. Well, I would call those ice blocks also, um, interestingly enough. Um, yeah, well. But what do you call the actual product? Uh, well, I mean, the most popular one is Zupa Dupa. Um, like, the actual, like, uh, the best brand. Zupa Dupas are fucking awesome. Um, oh, they rule. Really um, they're really good. They have such... I, now you're making me want to go buy Zupa Dupas. <laughs> well, see, but, now, um, now, see, now I've started thinking of, uh, of Milky Moos. Um, oh, no, I know. I, um, um, are they like uh the kind of just like a solid kind of like block? solid creamy like yeah. yes. cylinder on a stick? Oh, okay, on a stick. Okay, yeah, I was thinking stick. of like a, a, a similarly named product, which is just like essentially just like a just like a <laughs> just like a, a like a rectangle of ice cream in like plastic wrapping. Oh, um, they're also like mini milks. Oh my god! I'm like my world is opening up. Yeah. Um, I can't think. Of, I can't think of the name of those like fucking lightsabers of uh of 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 a uh, frozen. You know. I mean, I feel like is ice block not just like okay? Okay, well, I guess you don't use the word ice block, but like I mean, it's it's like it's. It's an ice lolly, even though it's not a stick. Ice lolly, I can see that. Yeah. So, like, if so, you mean the ones that are that is the stick? Yeah. So you wouldn't call it an ice lolly because there is no stick. Well, I would call it an ice lolly, but it's an exception to the rule. Uh huh. Of course. Yeah. So inconsistent. I know. <laughs> but then again, it might like I'll I'll like I know I know I'll get people coming to me after this episode goes out. <laughs> like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like other Irish people would be like, "What? What is your problem?" <laughs> Some, sometimes icy cold, depending on who you talk to in Australia, is also acceptable. Um, for specifically for cube <gasps> ones, um, you, but not very often. My grandfather, who, rest in peace, had the funniest way of speaking ever. I've mentioned <laughs> him. I mentioned him last week as being like incomprehensible because he communicated yeah. only in grunts. 
His his accent was so thick. Uh, he had a number of notable quotes. Um, one of them was referring to he was trying to say obese, mm-hmm. obesht, um, obesht, obesht, with a t. Um, but his most notable quote, I think, was um, he was watching the news. This was years ago, and he said, "That Putin, he's as bad as Stalin." Um, but the main thing, the reason that I brought him up, is that he insisted on calling them cornetas. Cornetas? Corneta. 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 I love this. Like Corneta. Like, yeah. It's Corneta. But like, it, it led it led to a whole era of us calling like Magneto from the X Men Magneta. <laughs> because he was in the new X-Men movies he was played by an Irish guy so we were like you fucking piece of shit Magnesia anyway this, oh my god this is okay anyway anyway <laughs> anyway we're recording a podcast oh we are <laughs> we've got an entire tragedy about uh, about ice cream um I would love. Can you leave that in? I want to get. I really love that. Uh, yeah, I won't. I won't put it on the cutting room floor or anything. We'll just put it in the main podcast. <laughs> Not cutting this one out. You are listening to us talk about uh, regional words for uh, confectionery. Um, yeah, and, and just you- like I mean, it's an exercise. Think about it yourself, and you can tell us if you want, but we won't respect it. <laughs> Like I can say that I can say that with total with total confidence that like if you're like well actually um we call them um icy poos we're gonna be like Fuck you. <laughs> okay no actually I think if somebody if somebody like <laughs> like whole cloth came to our mentions and said um actually I call them icy poos I feel like I um as well to that person to be entirely honest. I would so nice. you think that would change the trajectory of your life? You'd be like, okay, I have to, I have to, I have to, uh, I have to rebuild my vocabulary around this term. <laughs> I have to convince everybody in my life that I have always called them icy poos. You're, <laughs> I'm gonna find you. Like, you're gonna be like sitting, sitting in front of a computer screen with your eyes, eyelids propped open with matches, <laughs> with like showing pictures of ice lollies and like superimposing the word icy poos onto them. <laughs> <laughs> so please if you're out there mysterious person who calls them icy poos please get in contact with us <laughs> yeah but only you anyone else like you get in contact with us by all means but we won't respect what you have to say i oh, just feel like <laughs> we, we respect the icy poos guy <laughs> um anyway <laughs> and if the guy is listening i'm single anyway <laughs> Anyway, we should probably keep talking about DuckTales. Oh yeah, gummy bears, right? <laughs> gummy bears, right? <laughs> oh, okay, we were talking about how... Uh, we were talking Scrooge about how Scrooge makes fun Scrooge of the fact that it's a gummy bear crossover. Yes, okay. Um, and he's having a fight with, with Black Heron. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he's insulted her, her, her bouncing plan, and she, that, that is just like the height. Just the absolute height of um, just like rudeness to her. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I love this fight once again. I love this fight. And this is something I've said before and you've made fun of me for it. But I like that Heron Heron like attacking with her bird beak is like the reminder that they are like animal people. And I think it's awesome. <laughs> you made fun of me for it. I feel like um <laughs> did like did Liam say that like he agreed Liam, with me? Yeah, Liam was on your side about that one. Yeah. Like shout out. I feel like <laughs> shout out Liam. <laughs> you're uh, you're our friend of the show for this episode. Um this is what I mean, is like when they like actually use their like animal attributes in a material way. Like she has huge deadly knives on her mouth. Um, of course she's going to use them to try and kill this guy. Um, I just think it's great. I like it. Um, you can call me insane all you want, but I know I'm right. Yeah. Um <laughs> I don't agree, but I'm feeling I'm feel I I'm feeling a lot more um a lot more amenable than usual because uh, I had Ireland Before You Die still open and while you were talking I opened up uh, Ireland Before You Die and looked at the recent articles in uh, Culture and there are two separate um, <laughs> there, there, there's an article here that's top top five best places in Ireland to place a cheeky bet specifically a cheeky bet <laughs> yeah there's multiple articles about best casinos and they're all um, they all use the phrase a cheeky bet. I love this. Island Before You Die. Island Before You Die is a good site. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Shout out Island Before You Die. <laughs> thanks for thanks to Island Before You Die for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> oh god damn it. I was gonna look at the Irish bucket list hoping I could go through some of it, but it's a you have to purchase it. I don't need that shit. That's bullshit. Fuck you, Island Before You Die. Sponsorship rescinded. We're not getting paid for this episode anymore. Die, die. <laughs> okay. Anyway. 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 Sorry. Anyway. Um. Yeah, I love. I really, really like this uh fight. Um, it's like very fun because she at one point Heron does give out to Scrooge for for not being in frame. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's the look of it um, and the the tape ends before we see how they escaped um, mm-hmm. and uh, Heron approaches in the present uh, approaches Scrooge and Webby from behind, uh, quickly gasses and subdues them um, I just want to note here how much I love Heron's design and how much I like uh, how they kind of updated her for like the present day so they made mm-hmm. her kind of very vividly a- visibly aged Vividly um, aged is a really interesting phrase that I liked there. <laughs> but she's got like the grey hair and she's got this very wrinkly neck, you know? Yeah. Um, it's really, really good. It's it's a very it's a very nice kind of contrast against her, like, again, very like 60s character design. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of hasn't really changed much in terms of like her personal style, but like, you know, physically she has aged. Um yeah. It's a it's a really fun one. Um so Webby wakes up uh to Beakley yelling at Scrooge for uh, involving her in a sh- in a such a such assignment and Scrooge is kind of um agreeing basically. He's <laughs> like, Yeah, I know, I shouldn't I shouldn't have done it. You know, it was stupid, whatever. Um which is like a very a kind of an affecting moment because it kind of taps into this like Webby kind of 
seeing two parental figures fight over her, mm -hmm. which she wasn't really intended to see because she had been unconscious yeah. up to that point, you know. It's like overhearing overhearing a conversation you weren't you weren't you weren't meant to overhear. You know, it's a uh, it kind of throws it throws into stark contrast that uh, yeah, she's been kind of directly directly compared to Scrooge in the structure of the episode, but Scrooge was an adult man more than an adult yeah. man. He was he was a nonagenarian, but uh, <laughs> like she is a small child. This is very dangerous, you know. Yeah, that no matter what, like above all else, no matter how much like Scrooge respects her, and no matter how much like Scrooge kind of admires her like ability, she's a child. They yeah. both see her as a child, um, which is like not a bad thing. She's a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> um. So, Heron starts kind of trying to get Beakley to tell her the formula for the juice again, um, because she obviously doesn't have it. Um, and she's relying on this assumption that she has that Beakley would have still would still have the formula memorized from that original mission because that's shush protocol is to commit uh, mission relevant details to memory. Mm -hmm. Um. But uh, obviously, like this failed in the past, but this time she's threatening to literally blast Webby's head off with her arm cannon if she refuses. The threat of child murder has like never been as like present than it is here. Like she has like a like a fucking like laser like primed right next to Webby's head. Like it, 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 it child murder. It's going to happen. Um, Child murder, yeah. She literally, That's it. she literally, she literally is just threatening to shoot like like a child in the fucking head. Like, yeah, and this bit really irritates me because obviously Beakley gives up the recipe instantly as soon as like it's like okay, I'm gonna murder your child, and Scrooge goes Bentina, and it's like Scrooge. Scrooge treating this like some kind of like weakness on Beakley's part is patently insane. Scrooge being like, oh, Bettina, why? How could you do this? Like, I what? Also, also insane. Webby, fucking cold blooded, with a cannon to her head, tells Beakley not to tell. Like she's like, don't tell her, and it's like. You're twelve. You're a child. You're a. Your death is imminent. Like you will die instantly. I think Heron actually says like you have like three tenths of a second. Yeah. Like she, she's about to blast Webby's head off. She's uh, gonna explode it. Ah. Uh, the fact so oh, oh, I can't get over Scrooge being like disappointed. It's you insane. Know. Psychopath. The fucking audacity. <laughs> I know. Uh, and I do like this demonstration of how Beakley's changed since since her spy days. That you know, mm -hmm. now she has like something to protect, something that is more important to her than the protocol and than the mission. Um uh, we get this nice little bit where um Scrooge uses Heron's kind of underestimation of Webby uh, to his advantage. Um 
by like you know saying oh she's a damsel in distress she can't do anything for herself she's a small helpless child all this kind of stuff and he drops this hint about her need to use the juice um so webby does a sick kickflip um it's awesome Stunts. awesome dunks uh she kickflips out of heron's grass and manages to drink the juice in the process um i really really like that heron's heron's reaction to that is what are you <laughs> Like Heron has never seen uh, a child this like hyper competent. Um, never, never seen stunts like this before. Heron has never seen a child pull off these sick flips. Heron has never seen a child. Um, no, that's, that's true. She doesn't know what children are. <laughs> uh. Uh, like in in the the um Scrooge's response to Heron asking what are you is saying that's Webby Vanderduck, my new partner. And one, that's not her name. Two, I feel like there should be a happy medium between like pretending that she doesn't exist and being like, yes, this is my secret agent partner. She's twelve. <laughs> <sighs> it's so funny. He Scrooge doesn't know how to interact with children, so he like massively like goes like the wrong way in the other direction like he's like oh so i've been underestimating this child i should overestimate the child the child is now my business partner <laughs> he's like he sees that he sees that webby knows how to like use a grappling hook and like do some kicks and he's like okay awesome you're ready to be a secret agent right now i made this child the executor of my will what like he does not know how children work. He thinks, oh, okay, you're capable, so you're capable of anything. All right, awesome. He's so stupid. But we He's also insane. get this incredibly funny bit where, like, it's it's classic it's classic Scrooge, where he, like, Scrooge has this, like, such a great pattern of very, like, falling at the very last hurdle of redeeming himself, where yeah. he very proudly announces Webby that, that Webby's his partner and announces her as Webby Vanderduck, which is not her name. I don't understand. I don't. I cannot fathom how you live in a house with a child for like a a, a decade and not yeah. know her last name. Like, okay, I, sure, she doesn't share a last name with Beakley, I guess. But like, it's oh my god, I can't. I I can't stand Scrooge. I, I like. Him. I saw into an alternate universe while I was like writing about this. I saw. I like. I opened my eyes. I saw into an alternate universe. Where, like people were like theorizing about like there being like some greater reason for this particular <laughs> name that that Scrooge gave Webby, and that it was like oh her like real parents' names are Vanderduck and Beakley changed her name to Vanderquack to protect her from the consequences of her parents' secret lives or whatever. Um, that popped into my head fully formed, and I was like, that's so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> The other one is that the other one is that Scrooge just has like dementia. Like he's a senile old man and he mixed up Webby's name with his own. <laughs> he 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 saw how confident she was and he's like, oh okay, you're mine now. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is my family now. This is how family works. You you That's your, how your adoption works. <laughs> uh, it's very good. Um there, there are then proceeds to be one of the most bizarre fight scenes ever, in which Webby and Hero fight over the remaining juice by way of bounce combat, um, complete with the gummy bear sound effects. 
complete with the boing boing it's boing so boing good. like like they're like having like these very dramatic like maneuvers and like heron's like continuing to attempt to murder this child but every time they move it's accompanied by like this like deep like boing it's really <laughs> <laughs> the fact that half the time they're bouncing on their asses is also yeah. very funny <laughs> It could be the method of like attaining momentum is to like jump and like land on your ass and that like really gets you going. Um, I would also point out um, the fucking line read on Black Heron's line, which is the juice is going to be my undoing. It's so funny. She's like so hoarse and desperate, and it's she's saying the juice is so good. <laughs> the juice the is juice. loose. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, oh. It's just really, really, really good. Like then, like the sound effect contrasted with like Heron being just like completely bloodthirsty, absolutely no hesitation to like shoot and kill a child is so funny to me. I think Scrooge or Beakley like just before this calls her unhinged, and it's like fuck yeah, she's unhinged. She's yeah. like she's so funny. She's awesome. She rules. <laughs> her voice acting is incredible. Also, I feel like we should note that. Uh, yes. one, I think one of the most charming voices in it. Yes, I um, agree. She's, I will just—I I was going to talk about this at the end, but you've brought it up. She's voiced by um, April Winchell, who um, is a fun trivia fact, a daughter of uh, Paul, I think, Paul Winchell, who was one of the gummy bears in the original Gummy Bears cartoon. What a fun. Um, which is um, kind of crazy. Um, and uh, just as another note on the fact that this is April Winchell, any uh, Wonder of Yonder fans will know her as Sylvia from Wonder of Yonder. And with this with with um Black Heron, Feathery, uh Glomgold and the one of the fucking ghosts from the Christmas episode, they've managed to get all four main characters from Wonder of Yonder into DuckTales, which I think is fantastic. Um and like the the kind of the breadth of them is very, very funny as well. But the fact that they got April Winchell, Jack McBrayer, uh, Keith Ferguson, and Tom Kenny all into DuckTales really makes <laughs> me smile. It's very, very, really. very good. <sighs> yeah. So during this fight, uh, they end up uh, in midair, like very, very high up. Um, and the that, of course, this is when the effects of the juice wear off with a very comical sound effect. Um, <laughs> Webby wrestles the flask away from Heron before she can take another swig and save herself and kicks her up into the air. And Beakley then throws Scrooge into the sky like a discus to catch Webby and float them to safety with the action gain, uh, leaving Heron to die of fall damage. I also wrote fall damage in here. <laughs> Heron is going to drop to the ground like straight feet down and like down and, and like freeze on the ground and go flash red and like. Like uh, move her arms and legs very slightly, <laughs> and then and then stiffen and fall straight down. <laughs> That's how she's gonna die. Um, so instead of that, we actually get uh, an even grimmer scene. Um, where Heron tries to save herself by clinging to the cliff with her robot arm, but the force of her fall instead rips the arm off her body and leaves it embedded grotesquely to the ledge. And Scrooge it, keeps it as a souvenir. Insane. It is like a fucking like dark-sided thing to do. He's like, oh my god, uh, the enemy we were just fighting got their fucking like 
like robot arm ripped out of her socket and it was like she was it, she like landed with so much force that the claws were like embedded in like the roof of this building guess i'll take this home what is wrong with you like i can understand if it's for the sake of like studying it or something but scrooge's track record is that he just likes to take souvenirs from adventures so it he really just comes things. Up, like, treasure. like yeah it, it really just... just comes up like a trophy yeah, it's a trophy of a person he killed, presumably. The <laughs> fact that the fact that the force of hair and fall ripped the arm off her body is absolutely fucking grotesque. Like, like, and it's like it's like sparking and like, uh, like the like obviously like the implication here is not that she has like a bloody a gaping wound, wound that there's like that there is like a a stub of the yeah, prosthetic of the that is still yeah. left on her body. But my god. <laughs> my god. This is like like this like um accompanied with the uh the final flashback where um they like finish like they like leave her to fucking die in the explosion. Heron gets like fucked up in this episode. Yeah, like, and they love it. They're so happy about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, and... Webby like so like excitedly ha- like is like asking what actually happened in that first battle because like uh, as we said, the, the 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 film reel cuts off before you can see how uh, Beakley and Scrooge originally uh, owned the fuck out of Heron. Um, and the way that they own the fuck out of her is um, <laughs> is by killing her. They killed her, <laughs> yeah. So it's really it's really interesting because like it's their fast encounter with Heron. Beakley literally just got frustrated with being trapped, so she just like busted out of it with her Hulk strength. <laughs> so she was. <laughs> She, she was like, he could have just busted through the shackles at any point just by like flexing. Apparently, she just willed her way out of it. She thought her way free. She was like, okay, I'm gonna go, and just like moved her arms very slightly, and the shackles just popped open. She was like, okay, bye. And then like she decided, fuck it, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm fucking around. I might as well chug this, uh, this, this juice. Um, and she. Did it, and she started like the 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 force of the juice made her like her like ankles pop out of their shackles, and then she just started like bouncing around, um, and uh, she destroyed Heron's like remaining stores of the juice, shredded the recipe, and set the fire to the lab, and it exploded, and Heron died. Hey, um, like this really, there's this really like there's this shot where um uh heron is like grabbing for like like a, like a flask of the elixir or something and it's like specifically like her arm reaching out and then like um another like a ca- like a bottle of chemicals falls and there's like a huge explosion like the implication is that like that arm just got incinerated like i am trying to remember whether it's that or whether i have a false memory in my head of a different situation where Heron is on like a raft or something, and a piece of flaming wreckage comes towards her, and she puts her arm up to block it. I okay. Can you see this? I, I is that a false memory? Did I make that up? I'm trying to remember because I'm pretty sure happened. if it if that didn't happen to Heron, it happened to another character um who lost her arm that way. I'm trying really hard to remember what happens in the first adventure. Um, I don't think because... it before that. Hang on. Okay. Um, well, what? Are, well, what I'm looking her up. In. Um. Um. That's a a fucking grim injury that you may be deep faking. Um, if if it wasn't if if that wasn't it, 
then I have stolen it from someone else. <laughs> yeah, okay. It says on the DuckTales wiki that uh, the, the destruction of the laboratory created by Beakley and Scrooge McDuck resulted in our entire right arm to be lost. Mm-hmm. Um, what the... Where did I come up with this? What is that from? I don't know. <laughs> Who lost their arm in that specific way? Being on a raft and lifting up your arm because a piece of flaming pull- wreckage is coming at you. Yes. I'm yes. really obsessed with this. This is gonna be this is gonna be a white whale. Who did that happen to? <laughs> okay, I know I said that we disrespect all your opinions about ice cream, but if you <laughs> please know this, information about this. Please, please. This is gonna haunt me for the next week. <laughs> what was uh, this? Who, who did this happen to? I cannot picture this. Um, okay, I have it exactly in my head. I just okay. like I, I, I like took hair, I took a JPEG of Heron and I moved her over whoever it originally was. I mean, it could conceivably still happen to Heron. Like I know she like it's not like she because she loses her prosthetic again. Like in uh in the first in the first adventure, I think doesn't she? I swear to God, she like does the same thing. Like she like falls off a cliff and leaves the arm. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's. I think it's a. I think it's a signature move for her. I think it was. Yeah. In a, I think it was in a cartoon. Hmm. I would hope so. Be an upsetting thing to happen in a live action situation. <laughs> no, but I think it was in a cartoon because I think it was like that similar kind of energy of what the fuck, you know? Mm. Like yeah. this is dark. I'm obsessed with this. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. How did this happen? How did this happen? (laughs) (sighs) Should we finish talking about the episode? (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Um, Because I like you're going to do your third segment or whatever. I'm going to be thinking about this. Um, (laughs) So in the present, uh, Scrooge finally tells Webby to call him Uncle Scrooge. Uh, She hugs him very tightly. It's very cute. Um, And we see in her skirt pocket the last flask of gummy juice. uh, And it has literally not been relevant since. Like, this is very much like a zoom in, wink, wink. Oh my God, she still has a flask. Dun, dun, dun. But it hasn't become relevant. Okay, but given that the plot of the enemy of season three is foul, I do think that the plot relevance is going to be Heron somehow realizing that Webby still has the gummy juice and targeting her specifically. Yes. Um maybe kidnapping her or something. I think that's probably how it's going to shake out. I don't think it's going to be a kind of big final flight Webby reaches into her pocket and goes, oh my god, what the fuck? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Where have I been carrying this the whole time? <laughs> I think that would be a bit much. Like, oh my god, I put all this gummy... I put my shirt with the... Gu- I put my skirt with the gummy juice in the pocket in the wash. <laughs> and I now all my clothes are red. Uh, I don't think that's it. Um, I think that... I think that Heron is going to somehow realize... I think it's going to be... I think it's. I think that's how it's going to play out. I think. But I don't yeah, know. I mean, there's me. there is the possibility that it will be entirely forgotten. <laughs> that would be very funny, honestly. It'd be very funny. If it was just like um uh like if it was like they're like setting up this final fight with Fowl or whatever, um and they're like you know the you know the ducks win and everything and it's all fantastic and then like like a post credit scene she finds it she's like oh this could have been useful 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wish I'd known this was here. But um, <clears throat> no, that is just a mystery that is being left up just in the air for now, I guess. I guess we'll find out sometime this year whether or not that is ever relevant um, or if they just kind of forgot about that one. <laughs> but um, mm, she still has the juice and that's the final shot of the episode. I do like the um, the call me Uncle Scrooge thing. It's a very nice like uh, kind of returning to uh, like the original DuckTales cartoon where Webby was a lot more like like treated as his niece. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like not like it's it's kind of a nice way of uh, acknowledging that dynamic while also being like, yes, yeah, Scrooge is an insane person who didn't acknowledge that there was a child living in his house for ten years. Um, yeah. <laughs> and she it's also very cute that Webby kind of answers that by saying, "Yeah, I'm Webby," which is like her like her kind of catchphrase on um. Uh, yeah. introducing myself to new people it's just a very cute kind of like it's just nice it's a very nice ending to an episode followed by a, a baffling zoom in but <laughs> well yeah we'll see if that if that one kind of comes back in any way but um it yeah might. so that's the episode that's the episode it was a great episode uh i had a lot of fun i had a lot of fun doing notes for this episode there is some subliminal message embedded in the fucking clip of this episode that around halfway through made us both stop taking notes that's like we were both independently taking notes we both independently decided halfway through the episode to just go to bed um and finish the notes in the morning which is an absolutely fucking incomprehensible decision and of just like a bad idea all around but we did. It's, really funny. it's really funny honestly uh uh, like, like I, I so vividly remember getting like pretty much exactly halfway through the episode. It wasn't even that late; like it was before midnight, and I was just like, "I'm not feeling it. I'm gonna go to bed." In fact, <laughs> like, and it's just like it wasn't. It wasn't like it was like. It's not like this was uh dragging around anything. It wasn't like I was having trouble like making notes. Um, insofar as I. Like in the greater context of it, always taking like three hours or so for me to make notes on a twenty-two-minute yeah. episode. Yeah. Um, but there's not, there's not like this one was a particular slug. There was just like something at the like halfway mark that made both of us just like pack up and go home. <laughs> <laughs> like I think it was. I think part of it might have been realizing that um <laughs> that it was the flashback structure. We were going to have to like put that into words for our recap and that, that that just makes your brain blink off yeah yeah uh but it was a good episode i like this one the crossover extremely funny just like so insane very funny to go from uh to have this and sky pirates back to back um mm-hmm. it's kind of a disney afternoons bonanza um, oh that's my favorite part is that next week we are meeting don't burn up don't, don't burn up uh, <laughs> This week we get crazy women. Next week we get crazy men. Um, it's equality. Um, Dewey's Dewey's little awakening. <laughs> uh, but no, this was a good one. Um, good good lessons to be learned for Scrooge. Really nice Webby moments. Um, and it's nice to have like uh, a Webby episode where it's not about her relationship with one of the triplets. It's just kind of like more about her as her own person and her relationship with Scrooge it's nice yeah um, yeah really good did you have any other um any other thoughts I have no share? other thoughts other than this image in my brain of the fucking raft <laughs> I'm gonna go crazy what the fuck is this from um 
We're gonna be like, be like, you're gonna like message like the podcast channel in the middle of the night, and you're gonna be like all caps, like yeah, found I, I literally am. You're I'm, gonna text me. I'm gonna use. I'm gonna use international credit to text you. Uh, I've talked to Raven about this before. That we're really sad that we can't just like text you at like any hour of the day. Um, I am like fuck. I get suicidal. I get like fucking suicidal over it if I let myself think about it. If I let myself think about the fact that I could just be like texting you at any time, I <laughs> I can't handle it. I can't think about uh, it. In a better universe, uh, we would be texting constantly, but um, unfortunately, True. we have to make do with with just Discord. Yeah, but um. So if that's all we have to say about the episode, um, I might take us on to a bit of a, a slightly unstructured third segment here, which was... Um, I, was <gasps> I know what so- it was from! What is it from? What is it from? It's from the TV version of a series of unfortunate events. It's the hook-handed man. It's the fucking... He sets fire to the he sets fire to the uh, Anwistle Aquatics, and it blows up, and he's on the boat, and a piece of flaming wreckage comes towards him, and he puts up his arms to shield his face, and his hands get burned off, <laughs> and he gets the hooks. That's it. I'm in love with the way your mind works. <laughs> I superimposed Black Aaron on that scene. <laughs> I think it was something about like the the um the satellite house like exploding in 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 uh, Double O Duck. Uh huh. That kind of stuff. Like for some reason, my brain merged those together, and I was like, saw it. <laughs> That's it. That's oh, what I was thinking of. You found it. You're satisfied. You've uh-huh. done it. Yeah. Um. <laughs> you're free okay. of, you're free you're free of that terrible burden and we can uh take a bit of a light-hearted jaunt into the yeah. third segment yeah um so so in in the process of thinking about what we were going to do for the third segment this week i was just kind of like looking like doing a little bit of research on uh the gummy bears cartoon um because again like i said i've i've never watched it i did not realize it was like did not realize it had 95 episodes um mm. it uh it ran um from like 85 to 90 i think so like pretty good fucking run honestly and mm. i think it was also the um the earliest like disney afternoons like like show like it was the first animated production by like like it was the first like disney animation like TV show, um, which is insane that it was Gummy Bears, first of all. Yes. <laughs> but I was just kind of like doing a research. I was I was thinking about maybe just kind of like g- getting into Gummy Bears lore and just kind of reading the Wikipedia page and like thinking about thinking thoughts about that. But then I noticed that one of the um uh one of the external links on the Wikipedia page is the Great Side of Gummy. Mm-hmm. Which led me to somebody's, uh, you know, like, very charming page. And I will give you a link so you can come with me on this journey. Um, it is fantastic. So this does seem to just be somebody's personal website that they have just, like, uh, written extensively about gummy bears on. 
Um, and there is a lot to look at here. There is, first of all, the fact that I, this this uh, website has been updated since, I think, 2012 it was, oh. um, which is very oh, sad. I, I love this layout. I love it. It's so charming. So it's like a very um, classic website, like with the sidebar. It reminds me a lot of um, old Neopets. Um, mm. It's very, very charming in like a, you know, 2000s web design kind of way. But, um, is this uh, set up the same way on uh, on yours, where um, the entire <laughs> right side of the screen? Of it. <laughs> it's all blank. Yeah. I've also yeah. noticed that, uh, you know the little gummy bear signature? Yep. That's not a font, nor is it a transparent PNG. It's a... Oh, oh my god. A, it's an it image a, on the exact the blue background. background. Oh my god! So they can't change the background of the <laughs> of the background color of the site. Ah, uh, see, this is the web design that I miss. This is this is like pre Squarespace and all of the fucking like like mm-hmm. pre packaged web design, you know, services. This is the classic <laughs> making making images have the exact same background character color as your website, so mm. they look transparent. So um. The there's a couple of interesting things um, on this website. There's like uh, some of the links to the sidebar in the sidebar are quite interesting. There's um, activities which includes uh, coloring pages, um, how to draw guides, and character guides like model sheets. There is links to artworks and fan fiction, which are mm. quite interesting. That's where um, I went. Yeah, thought it might be. I found. Um... Sandra's art gallery, which is uh, which is um, fair, it seems to be fairly up to date, still working. Um, they have a series of Darkwing Duck fan art. Uh-huh. Um, gallery.negaverse.net. So there's like there, this is kind of my favorite uh aspect of this of a, of the the kind of like spawned from from finding this website, which is like. Just the amount of other websites that it links to, just like yes. the, the the decentralized internet, the way like where everybody has their own personal like geo cities, that is like for all intents and purposes the exact same website, um, but just like it's so charmingly unique and personalized. Um, my favorite, uh, there's some there's some very interesting. Um, just like general kind of choices is how how this uh, website is set up. One really disappointing thing is that the Gummy Bears forum um, seems to be completely defunct, um, unfortunately, um, and links to like a spam news website, <laughs> um, mm. which is very sad. I would have loved to see the Gummy Bears forum. I haven't chucked it into the Wayback Machine actually, which I might try doing. Um, but uh, what I was mostly interested in from this website was the fact that it links to other people's gummy bear websites. Yes. And that's where kind of the real meat of this is because some of these websites still exist. Some of them don't and can only be kind of like accessed in, in like an archived form. But all of them I am quite obsessed with. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that I'm looking at right now is oh god which one is it i have it open in a new tab but i don't know which <laughs> which one it is from this list um it is 
uh, Rachelize, Rachel-y? Rachelize Meadow, the Gummy Bears Realm, which is um, the screenshot that I sent you earlier <laughs> with um, the, the purple Comic Sans. Yes. Um, um, I'll, link, I'll link you to this website just so you can kind of have a scroll through it yourself. But to I... kind of paint, painting a word picture of this, we have um, d- the most interesting background I've ever seen, which is a repeated image of a gummy bear, but it is not tiled in the general way you would expect a background to be. Is two distinct columns of this image. Three. Um, th- three? I'm only getting two. Let me. Okay, there is three. I'm, I have. Oh well, actually, if you zoom out enough, you can see that there is repeating columns um, okay. all the way across the page. It's just um, there is just an enormous amount of white space. Is the thing. Exactly. There is these these. Columns of images do not resemble in any way a background. Um, it's some kind of malfunction in the way that they have managed to code their tiled background, which is incredible, honestly. Um, yeah. The the main font on this page is like a, a purple Comic Sans, um, and the the <laughs> the text reads, "Oh, Disney's Gummy Bears, what a great show!" And they have added a smiley face with a hyphen for a nose. Very charming. My favorite kind of smiley. I used to see this show when I was a kid and I just loved it. A few months ago, I listened to the theme song and the memories came back to me in a flash. I got so carried away, I gave myself the nick Rachel I Gummy Bear. I use it in Usenet and over the IRC, which really dates this website. Mm-hmm. Um, after I tried to search for resources on the, on the web on this fabulous show and had some difficulties, I t- decided to come up with this page. You will find here links to other gummy sites, the lyrics of the theme song, the theme song wave file, parentheses, oh yeah, and parentheses. <laughs> And hopefully some pictures one day. Yeah. So, just fantastic. I love this website wholeheartedly. I am like, I want to come right out of the gate here. I am not making fun of this. I'm not being facetious. I love no. this. I think so it is I, it, fantastic. The thing I think that makes it even better is the fact that absolutely none of the links work. So it's just preserved exactly <laughs> how it is. <laughs> exactly. Um. So this 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 then links to further um, websites, a lot of which are also on the great side of Gummy, such as New Gumbria, which I think still functions. I think that one still, um, yeah, New Gumbria still works perfectly. There is uh, um, quite a lot of content on there, such as song lyrics, goodies for fans, episode oddities, uh, frequently asked questions, which seem to be <laughs> Frequently asked questions on on New Gumbria are: Are the Gummy Bears still on TV? Can I send you the lyrics in a different language? Who wrote the theme song? And do you have episodes on videotape? And those are the only pe- questions that people ask frequently enough um, to be of note. Interesting. Um, I think one of my favorite uh, pages that is linked on uh, Rachelie's Meadow is the Gummy Island, which does not work. The link does not work anymore. Um, but, oh no, was it the Gummy Island? Oh, I think it, no, hold on a moment. I think this one also has to go into the Wayback Machine, but it could be a different one that I was actually thinking of. All the ones that go into the Wayback Machine are fantastic because they're like fantastic, like, uh, excavations of GeoCities websites with all the, like, really great coding and graphic design that goes along with that. I love it. Um, So if we go to an archived version... Um, um, may I briefly interrupt uh, with something oh, I've discovered? Um, I've been poking through uh, Sanders Art Gallery, which is uh, one of the artists that was linked on uh, on the great side of, of Gummy Bears. 
um, that that we were originally looking at, um, this kind of uh, archive site. Um, and I was looking through um, some of Sandra's art and some of the I, I went into the, I went to their present slash commissions page and I was uh, drawn in by a picture of Hunchbed McQuack, um, which I looked at. It was in 2011. I love mm-hmm. this picture. It rules. Uh, called Flying Aces. Here comes your requested artwork for the ever so talented Rose. Like so many, I fall in love with her original character, and obviously it's a picture of uh, this person's OC uh, hugging Launchpad. Of um, course, I fall in love with her original character, Marshy. Brackets. And not only because her name is McFly. And I truly <gasps> hope I did her justice. Ah, oh. What? Hold on a moment. Okay. So this is somebody's presumably I'm just I'm going to make an assumption here and say self-insert Doc OC that they shipped with uh Launchpad, named Marty. Um is that was I'm assuming I'm assuming that that was like a a joke that the name Marty is like obviously McFly, but also calling it Fly as like a compliment. But that did just knock all of the wind out of me. Um, yeah. Can I? Sorry. Can I get? Can you send me this image? I would love to see. Of, <laughs> love of to course. Love to see Marty hugging. Of course. Oh I, please! You're really enjoying Archfed's expression because he's kind of he's kind of taken aback. Um. Oh my god. I can't. I'm, I'm, I have to take a screenshot. I don't think I can copy the image. Um, can't reproduce it. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> it's a. It's it's a lot. Um, <gasps> oh, Launchpad's expression is really interesting. Yeah, he's kind um, of. It, there's a few things happening. I can't pass what what emotion he's meant to be feeling. <laughs> There's a there's another picture here from uh, from 2016 uh, which is also uh, relevant um which I don't mean any disrespect to women when I say that but it's still become some bitches <laughs> <laughs> Oh no disrespect to women no disrespect to women but this is still become some bitches um he's got two he's got two women fawning over him um I mean looking- he does have some bitches he does have some bitches. Uh, one of I'm, these women is wearing lipstick on her duck beak in a very interesting way. I'm very, in, I am very obsessed with her lipstick. <laughs> yes. She also has her hand trending downwards on Steelbeak's torso, which makes me concerned. Um, mm-hmm. That's going places, my woman. Um, he's also kind of got both of them, like... He's, he's kind of like gripping both of their backs. He's holding these like... women like cups. <laughs> I love this image. I'm a huge fan of this. I really liked it. I like his stance also. <laughs> this is really good. See, this is what I mean when it's like when I say that you don't get websites like like this um, anymore. I mean, apparently you do enter like with uh, Sandra's. Um, what was it? Sandra's art gallery. Yeah, but they're so rare nowadays. Everybody kind of just posts their art on like you know social media websites or, uh, you know like professional uh portfolios. But where else are you going to find somebody else's professional portfolio that includes a picture of Steel Beak and some bitches? I know. Uh, it's, <laughs> it truly is a. It, it is very. It is quite sad. I think that the only kind of uh, one of the only kind of surviving uh, examples of, of this kind of art is uh, is is because it's. Uh, it's part of a professional portfolio. Um, 
Yeah. That there isn't really much reason for uh, anyone to um, to maintain these these websites otherwise. Yeah, it does. It, it it um, I I do I just love um like old GeoCities websites and and Angel Fire and all the kind of just like the relics of the early two thousands are so fascinating to me. Um, and it's really sad that so many of them just kind of like you know like the domains lapse and they are lost to time or like the whims of the Wayback Machine if anybody's archived it. Um, one of them that has been archived is the Gummy Islands, which is a site dedicated to Gummy Bears fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I've linked you to a, an archived copy of it. Um, one of my favorite things about this is the fact that I think, as far as I can tell from my limited knowledge about Gummy Bears canon, I think that this website is written from the perspective of somebody's self-insert who they ship with one of the main gummy bears. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the introduction on this website reads, Welcome to Gummy Islands. I hope you enjoy your stay here. I am Cindy Gummy, and my boyfriend Gusto is the head of all the artwork here at the Gummy Islands. Before you get settled in, let me tell you about Gummy Islands. Right after the castle was taken over by Lady Bane, she tortured the kingdom and flooded Gummy Glen. Sadly, we had to flee the Glen in a boat. It was a good thing Gruffy was prepared for such a disaster. Well, we all sailed on till we found the Gummy Islands where all can roam. My dear Gusto lost all of his work and we had to start over. Well, enough chat. Let's get down to business. So mm. I know that Gusto uh, is like a, a Gummy Bears character. Um, I cannot remember if Cindy Gummy is a real Gummy Bears character or if this is just um, uh, this site owner's self-insert. I think it is incredibly charming. Um, there is fan fiction involving Cindy Gummy on here, but I'd also like to like point your attention to the bottom of the page <laughs> where this person has also put up pictures of their cats as in cats uh, with a z cats with a z yes my, my cat's cats are painted blue and leopard one and arch deco um <laughs> which i just really like that's just very that's such a just a charming thing is like putting your like uh you know like your 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 clickable pets on your website that is unrelated to them yes um, there's some interest. There's some. There's some good fan fiction on this one on the peak of the peak of Mount Gummy, rather. Um, if the link will function, um, where there is a couple of uh, I that's this is what makes me think that it is that the Cindy Cindy Gummy is a self insert because there is a couple of establishing fan fictions um about her. Mm-hmm. Um, one of I would I would like to read the this one titled Cindy's Trip. Once again, I'm please, please believe me, I'm not making fun of this. I think it's fantastic. I love, like, I, I love fan fiction like this. I think it's really fantastic when it's, like, really earnest and mm-hmm. just, like, especially, like, stuff that's archived like this feels also very special because it's, like, somebody posting this on their personal website um, rather than on, like, a, you know, a fan fiction hub. It just feels very nice. Feel very feels very organic. I think. So, yeah. um, uh, was, is that the phone ringing? Is it like a that fucking that's like Uber? Sorry, <laughs> I was gonna say, is this like a fucking like nineteen eighties phone ringing? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all have to put up with this. Um, I'm sure you get over it. Um, so this this fan fiction which I'm going to read is very short. It is titled Cindy's Trip. Zummy entered the library and walked to the great book, not even noticing Cindy reading an old gummy book. Hi, Zummy, Cindy said. Zummy almost jumped out of his skin. Cindy, you martled see, I mean, startled me, Zummy Ooh. announced. Um, that is a character trait of, of Zummy, is that he speaks in spoonerism sometimes. Um, Aw, that's cute. Which is cute. Um, oh, sorry, Zummy, I guess you didn't notice me. Can I talk to you, Cindy asked. 
Why sure, Cindy, what's wrong? Zombie said as he sat next to Cindy. I realized that the Gummy Islands and the old Gummy Glen was more advanced than where my brother and I lived. Actually, I was the only one to grow up there. Gruffy was brought here by my grandfather before he passed on. Interesting bringing death into the Gummy world. He only knew I existed by the messages my mum would send to Ursalia once in a while. I was all alone on a little house with only my mum to raise me. When I got older, she decided to give me a better life than the one we had. Ogres ruled my homeland, and they took over our humanless sea. Sorry, our humanless area. Um, stealing the gummy, gummy berry juice and tortured us all. Mm-hmm. Gruffy never knew the truth about home. Then I made my trip to the gummy glen to live with my brother I never saw in my life. I was sent to Ossalia to go from there, only to be kicked out by the Barbix. Um, because they Ooh. thought that was evil because the land I came from. I traveled m- many miles to get to Dunwin. I was told to meet Gruff at the old tree, and that's where I met Gusto Gummy, and you know the rest, Cindy concluded. Zummy sat there crying at the thought there was a land like that. Cindy, I never knew Zummy sniffed. I love people I, I love people who have like self insert characters who just like uh from what I can tell related to canon characters who are in relationships with canon characters. Entirely sincere. I love this. I think it's fantastic. I love Cindy Gummy very much. Um, it's so good. It's, it's so, so good. So good. While so you've good. been it's there, very, um, very sweet. I was looking. Uh, you know how Cindy Gummy, um, like their 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 cats. Yes. Uh, I went through. I went through their pets pages, and I found their adoption agency, um, which has been archived from October seventh, nineteen ninety nine. Hmm. Um. Looking for a lonely pets adoption agency? Well, you're in the right place. We just changed the name. The next update will take place on uh, the 9th of December, ni- 1998. Um, uh-huh. If you sent in any pets, they will be shown then. Sorry for the delay of updates. I have like seven websites and can't keep up. Aww. I love this person. I love these. Uh, I love these relics. I love that. Um, I love that. Cats still exists. Pets still exist. Yeah. You know. It's it feels like like going on like an archaeological dig and unearthing like genuine artifacts, which I don't know. It's just very charming to me. Um and uh I I would I have um one of these websites open in a tab in the Wayback Machine. Um and I cannot remember how I originally got to it, which is kind of interesting. Um, the Library of Asalia is the one I'd like to talk about, but I don't know how I navigated to it in the first place. Presumably it was linked on one of these other Gummy Bears websites, but, um, I don't know, the City of Asalia. Is that here somewhere? The City of Asalia. Huh. Um, anyway, um, the City of Asalia is a very charming one to me. It is a very uh simplistic graphic design it is white text on a black background and um again it is uh seems to be kind of like semi role playing um Mm -hmm. similar to the uh the cindy one um because it's kind of like the library of Asalia. after centuries of being lost to the eyes of man the time has come for the city of cities to return to its former greatness this page is not just dedicated to the gummies and their adventures but to the cool stuff that their ancient society left behind um, and my favorite part of this page is um, uh, the owner's personal gummy story, which is um, how this person got into gummy bears, which is just really genuinely charming to me. So Aww. this is Mike's gummy story. It all began in the mid-80s, about the time of the monkeys reunion, but that itself is a different story altogether. 
The Gummy Bears are a weekly event on free TV. Remember? Well, now, for a guy in entering high school on the wrestling team, an overall standard kind of person, watching cartoons, including Bugs, was unusual. Watching the Gummy Bears would make you a certified weirdo and target for massive pummeling. Well, one day after watching the Littles, yes, them too, I saw the most cool show, the Gummy Bears, of course. What I liked and still do is the ancient culture with really neat technology slash magic. I was instantly addicted. I would sneak into the living room and click on the tube, yummily in Technicolor. When the magical show would come, I would drop on. I would drop the volume and sit close to the TV. If any sound would occur, I would jump and switch it to some show when they were making furniture. Um, early Ottoman Empire <laughs> <laughs> Or if really scared, the WWF. It came to the point of about two years ago, and they cancelled the Bears. <gasps> by the way, D A Bears with a capital B from both Saturday morning and from the Disney afternoon. Um, in brackets, damn those ducks. <laughs> oh. Well. I went into true closeted gummy worship and repressed myself until now. Then came the web. Not many gummy things exist on the web. They went into hiding like in the show. However, there are outposts of this society. Well, that is about it for now. The story never ceases, though. I'm still looking for the show. I'm in college, and the school-supplied cable is very lacking. I work for them. If you think that I sound strange, write me, and there's, like, a link to her to email this person. And it's so charming to me that this person has, like, 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 made a website to, you know, talk about gummy bears to host gummy bears um fan fiction uh fan art like episode lists uh lyrics to the theme song um like other links to other gummy bears websites and also like this is my story of how i got into gummy bears it is just so endlessly charming to me and you just like you don't get shit like this anymore like i feel like like it's there is you know there is definitely something to be said um, about, you know, like centralized fandom wikis, and you, everybody knows how much we love the Scrooge McDuck fandom wiki. Yes. <laughs> but it doesn't have quite the same charm as somebody's personally maintained GeoCities page, which they have made just to talk about gummy bears. Yeah. And just, mm. yeah. It's so good. It's, it's so good. One way, relics of a bygone era, but an era that. I wish was not bygone. Um, yeah. Uh, I love the specific type of very earnest appreciation that arises around shows like the Gummy Bears. Um, yeah. I am sorry that the uh, <laughs> duck just came in and busted up this guy's party. <laughs> and um, those ducks. And those ducks. Because they can't the bears. Yeah, but then, I, I, I guess I guess this uh <laughs> I guess this crossover was a form of reparations. Yeah. Um, a, a peace offering from um, those damn ducks to yeah. the poor bears that they usurped. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah. Yeah. So that was just kind of um, a bit of just like a, a walk, a walk through the past. Um, I love just kind of like, click, like, you know, like looking at old websites, seeing what still exists seeing what is has been archived and just like the the amount of care that went into maintaining these in a much in, in like an era when there was when it was much harder to find this kind of information like available on the web so you had like everybody making their own individual <laughs> gummy bears web page that seemed to function the like the exact same way but yeah. um it's just very nice it's very nice it's very wholesome um and it makes me smile yeah so uh, yeah um, I feel like we're running a little bit. Well, not run. Well, we're not over three hours yet. So 
<laughs> Let's not make a bad habit, though. We should probably wrap up. We should probably wrap it up. Um, uh, unless you had anything else to say about um, <laughs> a series of unfortunate events <laughs> and superimposing black hair and onto other scenes. <laughs> I'm just glad I figured it out. Honestly, like that's <laughs> that's where I'm at. I'm just glad I know. <laughs> that um, I had that I had like effortlessly deep faked uh, black hair into that scene from the series of unfortunate events, <laughs> uh, which only exists in the Netflix show, I believe. Anyway, um, I think we're uh, done for this week. Uh, I think this week um, we'll be back next week with our dear, 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 dear friend Donkarnosh. We yes, we will be watching Sky Pirates dot 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 in the sky. Mm-hmm. Fantastic episode, really good. Fantastic it's a episode. episode, fantastic Do song. It's a musical episode. It's a pirate the song the whole time. It's a child we're murder episode. We're gonna keep saying fucking Don Carnage. Don't Carnage. Don Carnage. And you look forward if you were already sick of that. Sorry. Um, <laughs> we're gonna go. I think we're probably gonna have some massive brain ideas about Dewey, I imagine. Um, oh, yeah. Or knowing us, we'll like, I don't know, we'll magic up some some thoughts to have about Della or some other character who doesn't appear in the episode. Um, you know. <laughs> Uh, but it should be fun uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode it's one of my favourites yes wow I never knew this about you Monty what a mystery <laughs> it's almost like I haven't sent you 50 identical screenshots of Don Carnage sitting down <laughs> oh do you think we're gonna have, do you think we're gonna get to talk about our um uh, sleeper fucking like insane uh, ship from DuckTales um, or should we, should we hold off on to the other introduction the introduction of the other party in that relationship? We probably should. I think we're we might have to do a we might have to do a, a big bumper episode where we talk about the entire sordid romantic um entanglements of this of of this individual. Ah, uh, well, you've got some ominous ominous warnings from us, I guess. <laughs> about yeah. things we fully intend to talk about in the future. Yeah, so you can mull that over. Um, um and we'll see you next week. We will see you next week. If you have any information regarding Dimwitty's disappearance or any information that might lead to his capture, let us know at Dear Dimwitty on Twitter or email us at DearDimwitty at gmail.com. Or if you want to talk to us about DuckTales, that's fine too. <laughs>